Hello everyone, welcome to Kill the Cast. My name is Jerry, and joining me as always, the ever-quotable Jay. Uh, I got no quotes, because we're just talking about our childhoods and shit. That's very true, and the Silent Hill biker himself, Kenneth. God damn it, Jay, you hadn't had a quote in a while now. We gotta get this uh, rock well, and roll. Well, it's because we keep doing horror coliseums and shit. I don't care, man. You can't be ever-quotable if you're not ever-quotable. The never-quotable Jay. <laughs> never-quotable Jay. Come on, uh, man. All right, guys, it is 2019. We've already made a big change because Jay is now never quotable. Um, <laughs> also, uh, Kenneth now is a very, very loud uh, bicycle rider. He uh, will be wearing his Live Strong uh, yellow bracelets, and he oh, will yeah. uh, be riding around your neighborhoods. Is he losing a testicle? Uh, I mean, he might. I don't think it'll be due to cancer, but it'll probably involve a hooker. Mm. Awesome. So anyway, uh, it's 2019, and we wanted to start off 2019 before we jump into finishing the Horror Coliseum run with something called New Year Old Me, where we are going to talk about things that influenced us as kids, uh, not necessarily horror-related. It's not strict to that. We're going to cover a couple of topics, including music, books, comics, video games, and anime. And then we will be ending it with something we will be doing throughout 2019, and that is covering the uh, original Berserk anime. Uh, first 25 episodes of that, uh, which is from, I think it's from 95? I forgot to look it up. Either way, uh, I'll look it up later and inform you all later. But uh, that is something we will be doing going throughout 2019 because Kenneth has never seen it and... I absolutely love it. Jay loves it. So, it, and it, it crosses the line. It's called a dark fantasy. Um, so, it, it's close enough to horror that we're allowing it. So. Yeah. Plus, it's super gory. Yes, it is. Uh, and, and the, well, I, I can't even say anything about it yet. Okay, we'll wait for that. Anyway, so with that <laughs> being said, we are going to go ahead and jump into our first fucking topic, which is. Music. Now, growing up, I have a theory that at a certain point in your life, you hear a song from a band that completely puts you on the path of your your musical journey. It's what starts you and, and takes you from listening to just stuff that either your parents gave you or stuff that you only listen to on the radio uh, it, it, usually you get it from a friend or something and it's from, it's n like nothing you've ever heard and it changes just your fucking complete vision of music. And Kenneth, Kenneth and I were talking about this and we were talking about it and we were able to pinpoint it down to one song each as to the song that kind of changed the way we do it. So we wanted to talk about that now. Uh, I guess I'll go first just because so I can kind of set it up. So when I was in like the end of seventh grade, going into eighth grade, I moved to Columbia, South Carolina. And when I moved there, I started hanging out with these people that listened. Uh, this was at the very, very start of emo and screamo and my favorite of them, post-hardcore music. And... I was hanging out with these people, and there was a girl named Jill who I'm I'm still friends with. She's awesome. She gave me this mixed CD of post-hardcore music, 
Um, and the very first song on there was a song called Romeo A Go-Go by Every Time I Die off their Hot Damn album. When I listened, when I hit play on this CD and I heard this song, it was like nothing I had ever fucking heard before. It was chaotic and crazy and emotional and it, it just, it felt like it just punched me in my face and then gave me a hug. And I just didn't know how, I, I didn't know music like this before. It was everything I liked about the little bit of punk music I had been listening to, but on a whole new level that had this emotional depth to it. And it was fucking amazing. And other bands on that mix CD included From Autumn to Ashes and Alexis on Fire and Bleeding Through, their, uh, the Blood Bar- Brothers. Band. Yeah, I mean, about just fucking tons of amazing stuff. A Static Lullaby, just all kind of great bands that to this day I still fucking love. Silverstein, man, I could go on forever. But I heard this song, Romeo Will Go Go, and it blew me away. Now, for our listeners, I know a few of you might not like it because I know a lot of people in horror listen to mostly metal and not as many go into post-hardcore. So I will warn you, uh, Romeo Will Go Go is going to be a little bit chaotic and a little bit crazier than you're used to and the reason i'm telling you is is because throughout this episode you are going to hear all three songs that we mention so you will hear my song romeo will go go at some point in this podcast um you of course can skip it if you want but uh, my song is the shortest out of all three so there you go look at that maybe you'll hear it right now no you won't just kidding Uh, (laughs) fuck you um but yeah so that was mine. Every time I die, changed the way I looked at music, and it showed me post hardcore, which I I fell in love with, and it's still my favorite genre. Every time I die, it's still my favorite band. You probably know that if you listen to this podcast or if you are friends with me on Facebook for five seconds because you can't stop talking about them. That is true. I, I when it really comes down to it, I was not really into that that style of music. Love like every time I die. I really wasn't into it, you know what I'm saying? Because I felt like they were a little chaotic and stuff like that. And then, if it hadn't have been for Jerry, I wouldn't have the love for the band that I have now. I mean, I'm not as into them, obviously, as Jerry is. But every time I die, is a badass fucking band. And, and damn, the lyrics are fucking superb. So, I gotta give Jerry credit. He picked a damn good band to fucking be, you know, his dick get hard over. Yeah, I mean, Romeo Goa starts off, the first lyric is... Tonight I'm coming home in a coma, even if it kills me. It's like, when you start a song off like that, like, holy shit, like, it, the chaos is is intense, but it, it feels like very much like it has meaning. Um, there's another lyric I'm going to pull up real quick that Google fucking is trying to change my autocorrect. Um, where is it? Do, 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 do. Hot Sh- Damn just doesn't happen to be my favorite album. That's tr- true. Uh, Gutter Phenomenon is my favorite album. I fucking love that album. It's so good. Yeah. So uh, there. And- this is a lyric I want to give you real quick. Go get your gun because God won't show. He sent a poet instead. The Don Quixote of the ICU. <laughs> like, it's so fucking good. 
And the crazy thing is, is you can just go into it and you can read whatever you want a lot of times out of his lyrics. I mean, you know, other ones are pretty straightforward, but but some of them, I mean, it's just like you get what you you get what I think my favorite thing that I like about and I can't remember dude's name. What's his name? Keith Buckley. Keith Buckley. Yeah. My favorite thing about his lyrics is that his lyrics seem personal, but at the same time, they're not personal to him. They're personal to whoever's listening to them. And yeah, that's, all poetry works, and I love it. Uh, yeah, and it, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic because a lot of times when you hear these bands, you know, stuff like that, their stuff is straightforward, and a lot of times it's what they're going through. You know what I'm saying? Them specifically. So, like, when you're listening to it, you'll you'll get the feeling, and that's kind of why you enjoy it. You know, like most of your fucking uh, cookie cutter R and B type shit or things like that, you'll get it and you'll enjoy it for whatever it's trying. But but there's only those certain artists out there that 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 can write music that cut straight through to your heart every time and i think keith buckley is a master at that yeah he's very good at taking things that happen in his life and and turning into music uh the song indian giver was about their drummer uh rat boy leaving the band uh he's got a song called more which is a very very haunting song that's about him being on tour and not being there to protect his wife one night when uh, someone purse snatched her and like uh, I think broke her arm and how he wants revenge for it so bad. And his wife is like, just forget about it. And he's like, I'm going to pretend to forget about it, but I'm not. I want his fucking head on a spike Um, or his song pedal, which is about how his life uh, changed when his daughter was born. Um, and that's something like Kenneth can relate to how your life completely changes when when you have a child. Mm-hmm. So throughout all of his lyrics, there there is something you can completely get to. But Kenneth is right; he can write something that is personal to him, but you yourself could take it and find a completely different meaning in it and personalize it to yourself, which is something very good. Like I told uh, Jay, Jay earlier, posted a poem. He had sent it to me beforehand. I always and, do, because you're my muse. Uh, yeah, and so I, I read it, and I told him what I thought it was, and he was like, that's exactly what it is. And I was like, okay, and I told him, the reason I liked it is because um, he took um, some. He took what he was feeling and he wrote it. But the thing about the way he wrote it is anyone could take the flower, the subject of the poem, and that flower could be anything, because the poem is about uh, uh, self-martyrdom, over you choosing to martyr yourself to protect something, whether it's protect your beliefs, protect someone, that thing, that flower could be anything. It doesn't matter what that flower means to him is something completely different to me or completely different to someone else. And that's something that, that is hard to do. It's hard to write something where it, 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 Without telling the audience what it is, you use enough imagery to show what it is in a way that they can take it and personalize it to them. And that's something Keith is very, very good at doing. Though sometimes he can go really, really far and be extremely cryptic. There's some song he has that, like, in the Every Time I Die group, we just sit there back and forth trying to figure out what the fuck he means. So, either way, that's my song, Romeo Will Go Go by Every Time I Die. It was the first song I ever heard from post-hardcore, and it changed my uh, life. So, with that being said, we are going to go to the second uh, 
youngest because I'm the youngest. So now we're going to go to the second youngest, Jay. Jay. That's your cue. You can talk now. Oh, okay. Uh, so the song I picked was Iron Maiden Run to the Hills. Um, this was my first introduction to uh, real metal, I suppose, because up until then, uh, it was like things like Disturbed and like Trapped and Hoobastank and all these new metal bands. Uh, my lifetime experience with music is very odd. So for the longest time, he was, I used to... He was deaf for the first 20 years of his life. But I wasn't able to compose any sonatas. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So for the longest time, I used to fall asleep listening to AM talk radio. <laughs> hey, you got to get on that coast to coast. That show's amazing. It was just they had these drab voices and it would help put me to sleep. I was super hyperactive as a kid. And it was before they even had a name for ADHD. Like when I was taken to the doctor, they're just like, your kid's hyperactive. Give Stop him giving him sugar. He's diabetic. It's the only way he'll no, shut I'm up. I'm not diabetic yet. I made myself diabetic. Um, so anyway, uh, so at one point, a friend of mine was over my house, and we were in my room, and they changed it from AM to FM and actually put on a radio station. And so that was the first time I actually ever listened to music. I mean, obviously, there's nursery rhymes and when I'm in the car with my mom. But the first time I ever actually listened to music was when this person was like, listen to this FM station. And it was top 40 stuff. Um, I remember as I got older, my mom would listen to a lot of oldies, like Secret Agent Man uh, stuff, like from that era. A lot of classic like that, rock. That song like Secret Agent yeah. Man. Yeah, Secret? so stuff from stuff oh, from that okay. era. Um oldies, golden oldies. I bet you were made uh, to that song. <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Can I get some royalties for that? Um But anyway. Uh so my dad listened to a lot of classic rock, so that's I got that introduction. As I got older and developed my own tastes. Uh, it's centered kind of around top 40s and what the station I listened to the most referred to as modern rock. Then, when I got a job as a dishwasher, I was 16 or 17, I can't remember. Uh, obviously, we all rotated the music that we liked. I had some stuff uh, people always thought was weird. Like, I was into MC Chris at the same time. Nice. And they're like, who is this 11-year-old girl rapping? Uh, I am legit wearing an MC Chris shirt right now. That's awesome. Uh, so one of the cooks put on an Iron Maiden CD. It was the very first time I ever heard Iron Maiden. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. And that song caused me to deep dive into like metal and the history of metal. And it really helped start to define my own personal tastes. Um, I like a little bit of everything. I mean, on my phone, if you hit shuffle, you could get anything from Shadows Fall to fucking Michael Jackson uh, and anything in between. Uh, M&M's on there, like everything. So I'm into a little bit of everything. But this was, this is one defining moment I can remember in my life where I went, holy shit, I need more of this. And I just started devouring everything I could get my hands on. And of course, it was like the golden age of pirating. So that wasn't very hard to do. <laughs> so that is the one song that changed my view of music. It was a little bit older, like I said, 16 or 17. But from that point on is when I, I feel like I really started developing my own personal tastes. Gotcha. I when I listen to uh, Run to the Hills today, because I don't listen to metal, especially I don't listen to classic eighties metal. 
So I pulled it up because I had to get the song and I was reading the lyrics while I was listening to it. And there's two versions of the song. There's apparently like a six minute one and then like a regular like four minute one. I just, I just did the four minute one. I'm not. Yeah, it's probably the best idea. Yeah, not going to do. I'm not going to do that because uh, I had already listened to Kenneth's song and Kenneth has the longest song, which surprised the hell out of me. Um, but um, I got to say, very good imagery. Uh, they're they're I, I, not my style of music. I probably won't listen to it, but I wouldn't turn the channel. That's fair. Uh, a lot of their songs are actually about events or time periods in history. Um, I know at one point, a lot of people, uh, parents mainly, were like, oh, God, they're Satanists. And that's when they decided to make the, so- the song uh, Number of the Beast. They're like, oh, okay, that's what you think we are. We'll show you. And they decided to basically troll everyone because most of their music is about time periods in history or fictional events and nothing really to do with Satan at all. Uh, like Run that. to the Hills, uh, The Trooper, the Aces Trooper's High so is all good. about real life military, basically, events. I can play the shit out of those songs. Like on a guitar or like yeah. on your CD player? On a guitar. Really? That's yeah. fucking dope. Well, now yeah. I know what I'm making you do when I come down there. Kenneth can okay. legit play guitar. He he was in a f- he, quite a few bands. Uh, one time when we lived together, we actually like... Um, we actually wrote like one song. We only had the lyrics and the guitar part for it, but we had like a, a song done. That's dope. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. When I when I uh, when uh, I got into music and I figured out that I had a talent for playing, I went head over heels. Yeah, so. that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I can't play. I tried to learn guitar. My fingers are too fat. Um, I cannot no. keep separate uh, rhythm timings. Uh, with my foot in my hand, so I can't play drums. <laughs> Don't ever say your fingers are too fat, because have you ever seen Dino from... Yeah, from Flintstones. No, no, no. God damn, now I can't remember the name of the fucking band. Deftones? No. Fuck. Mudvayne? No. I'm just trying to think of fat people in bands. Uh... Oh, man. So speaking of music, since we're still on this and you just mentioned Mudvayne, uh, one of the best concert experiences I ever had was OzFest, where the surviving original members of Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden were the headliners. Damn. And uh, Mudvayne was also on the main stage with them. So when Mudvayne was playing, uh, it had rained a little bit, so there was mud, and people were tearing up chunks of lawn in the lawn section and fucking having, like, lawn fights with it like throwing mud balls at each other and shit and people were like topless sliding down mud hills and they just destroyed this fucking thing and Mudvayne's like yeah fucking tear it up and so after Mudvayne ended some dude came out like probably a director or maybe a, you know a manager of the venue or whatever and he's like okay everybody we've had our fun Iron Maiden's about to come out so let's stop calm down and just enjoy the music <laughs> it was fucking hilarious I was like what are you trying to do in the middle of a fucking metal festival I would have just like came out and been like alright guys uh, Iron Maiden has requested out of respect that uh, you use the mud to masturbate furiously during their <laughs> performance please do not throw it please use it on your own uh sexual desires but only to yourself we want no sex just masturbation uh it should just be you jacking off to them nothing else 
The name of the band was Fear Factory. Look at Dino from Fear Factory. I love Fear Factory. Yeah, look at that dude. I've met that dude in person. I could not get my arms around him at the time. (laughs) He was a big dude. So, yeah, your fingers aren't too fat if you want to put the effort into it. Well, I don't. I like your fat fingers. Anyway, so, Kenneth, let's go to you. Let's, Let's look at your spiritual journey since you are the musician out of all of us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah let's hear this buddy well i got i, I was into music I, I mean I, i'll put it this way i was into it but it wasn't life-changing when i was a kid you know what i'm saying like i was really uh i was a big fan of uh michael jackson when i was a kid um you know and, and a lot of kids were at the time you know what i'm saying and um unfortunately um but uh you know, I was into Michael Jackson and I was into other things like that. And then, you know, stuff that my parents had gotten me into, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, um, da, 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 Bon Jovi, you know, stuff like that. You know, there was things that my dad listened to, like Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. You know, my dad was kind of into classic rock, but my dad was also into uh, uh, other other forms of music and things like that. You know, uh, my mom was into into various things and stuff. So I'd listen to all that. And then my cousin uh hooked me up with uh two cassettes he hooked me up with uh iron maiden's power slave and black Sabbath's paranoid but they still weren't you know it it, it was starting to shape what i was going to listen to i knew i was going to be into the heavier stuff because i really really uh, enjoyed uh two minutes to midnight you know stuff like that from iron maiden i really enjoyed it you know and, uh, you know, obviously everybody loved Iron Man from if you're a Black Sabbath fan, you know, that's, that's one of the most popular albums. And so, you know, I, I was into it. And then I started hanging around with the crowd when I started getting being my early teens. Um, and before that, like 11 or 12, I started hanging around, you know, the skateboarders and things like that and other musicians, guys that were, uh, you know, playing bass and stuff like that, you know, and they were into different things, you know, um, they were, they were listening to like Red Hot Chili Peppers and Beastie Boys and stuff like that. But I always wanted something like in the back of my head while I was listening to these things, Deftones, you know, whatever. I was like, man, I want something, I want something heavier, you know, I really, you know, cause I always felt like I was, I was gravitating towards something and I wanted something just mean as fuck, you know, and, and, and it, and it, and it, and I couldn't find it. You know, and and I had and I had these guys. I think I was around twelve, thirteen, maybe fourteen. I had these. I had my friends. You know, uh, Josh and Charlie and some other people. There, I was just like, God damn. So I went up to Josh one day and I was like, Look, dude. I was just like, I want something fucking heavy. I was like, I'm tired of listening. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm into, you know, and and grunge was popular still back then. So I was listening to Nirvana and stuff like that. But I was like, I want something fucking heavy. And uh, so Josh hands me, fucking. Uh, Pantera's Far Beyond Driven. He hands me that. And he's like, fucking listen to this. And I can remember the day that I was looking at the cover of the album. And so I put it in and he told me to go to Five Minutes Alone. And I listened to that song and I was like, holy fuck. I was like, this is it right here. Because when I because when I was listening to the lyrics, it was it, it was almost like Phil Anselmo was giving a projection of, you know, uh, he, he, he was talking about people that are judging you based on the way you look and stuff like that. And, 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 and that's what I got out of the song was that, you know, it's like he was going off to it and he was just like, you know, this is what you fucking think of me. Well, just give me five minutes alone and I'll show you. And, and it was just mean as fuck. And I loved it. 
And from that point forward, that's when I went head over heels into metal. Then it was just like, I was looking for the heaviest shit that I could fucking find. I was listening to that. I was listening to Sepultura. I was listening to, you know, uh, Soulfly when it started coming out at the later end of Sepultura. All those, you know, I started getting into really heavy shit like Morbid Angel, you know, all the really badass stuff. And, and, you know, that's when I started learning how to play that kind of shit. You know, I had already, I had told my mom that I wanted a guitar and she bought me like this, this really cheap acoustic guitar just to fucking see whether I was going to stick with it or not. You know, cause kid, young kids go through phases and shit. She bought me that thing. I played that fucking thing so much that I warped the neck. And then the next thing, you know, she, I finally convinced her to get me an electric guitar and that was just, and I went from there. I started learning how to play damn all these songs that I love, but it was, it was Pantera's five minutes alone that really took me into metal. I mean, just dive right into it. That was it. And I've been a fan of Pantera ever since. Um, I've loved most of the offshoots from Pantera. Like Damage Plan was pretty damn cool. Fucking hell yeah, it was goddamn awesome. Um, oh yeah, it was a super group, right? It's like tons of famous people. It was until Vinnie Paul died. Well, um, yeah. And Damage Plan, you know, fucking Dimebag died. Um, and Damage Plan had Vinnie Paul in it too. He actually went from that to Hell Yeah. Um, but then you got for with Hell Yeah, you got uh, lead singer of fucking um, mm-hmm. Mudvayne, and then I can't remember the other two guys because they've swapped up a couple times. Um, but yeah, and and you know they were fucking awesome. So I've always been. And then Down, goddamn Phil Anselmo's, you know, aside from Super Joint Ritual, and uh, there's another one that he did where he did a song called Cannibal Holocaust, which was, you know, obviously based from the movie, which was pretty good. But uh, Down was fucking, their first two albums were superb. So, I mean, and that's where I went. I mean, it was just like, it was that to where I, I, I'm, now I'm into, you know, it. I, I listen to everything, like Jay said. I listen to all kinds of shit. And Jerry can attest to this. I mean, I'll go from one style of music to another style of music to another style of music, we, but I'll always we, come back to metal. When I lived with Kenneth... He, he, like, if you went into his room and, like, looked at his posters, he would have, like, a Lamb of God poster right next to a Tupac poster. <laughs> That's dope. Like, I mean, straight up, because I listen to just about everything. I mean, I, I mean, every, every style of music has its merit. Every style. No matter what it is. Some, I, I like agree. a whole lot. Yeah, some of them I like a whole lot less than others. You know what I'm saying? Like, you won't hear me listening to country music very often, but there is some country that I like, you know, uh, especially old school. I'm a huge fan of bluegrass. I fucking love bluegrass music. Um, so you should uh, you should look this up. There's two bands I'll give you that you should look up um, that you may like country-wise. Uh, so my favorite band, Wednesday 13, he, the lead singer, has a... Uh, uh, what does he call it? Like rebel country band, like Hank the Third mm-hmm. uh, style called Bourbon Crow. And that's really good. And then there's another uh, more twangy, uh, bluegrassy, maybe that's the wrong term, uh, country band called Pine Box Boys. And they have a song called uh, Just a Crush. And it's basically about this killer redneck who uh, kidnaps hookers and stalks them. Nice. Yeah, you need <laughs> uh, to... Uh... You need to totally send me. Links I'll send you. I'll send you some links. Yeah, you need to totally do that, man. I mean, that's. I think that's the biggest reason why I like Downs' album because it was like Downs' first two albums because it was metal, but it had a real, real country feel to it. 
And uh, that's really what got me into Southern metal was down. And, uh, you know, so I think, like I said, every, every, every style of music has its merit. It's just some are, but some are more, uh, are, are more tuned to me than others. And metal will always be on the top. And five minutes alone is what did it to me. So when Kenneth sent me that song, now I, I know who Pantera is because a lot of the bands that I listen to, a lot of them, like every time I die, I said Pantera is a big influence, stuff like that. So I, of course, I played the song and I with lyrics and I was reading the lyrics. And um, I found a pretty questionable lyric that I had brought up to Kenneth. Um, and I actually had to go research the song. So... Uh, first, I want to tell you what the uh, lyric is and why I had to go look it up. So the lyric is, you use complexion on my skin for a counter-racist tool, which sounds like a guy, a white person doing reverse racism. Um, so I had to go look up the lyric. And, and so the inspiration for this song was a... Guy was at a Pantera concert and he was giving uh, Phil shit and uh, Phil gets in a lot of trouble when someone in the front row gives him shit. We'll talk about the other thing he did later on that got him into a shitload of trouble because of the same situation. So apparently the guy was giving Phil shit. Uh, Phil said something and according to the story Phil has... uh, audience members beat the shit out of the dude the dude's the kid's dad called Pantera's lawyer and was like I don't want to sue I don't want anyone in jail I just want five minutes alone with uh the lead singer so I can kick his ass and the lawyer laughed at him uh said that's not happening and hung up uh he then told Phil about it and Phil at first was like kind of pissed off and then he was kind of like, you know what? I'll give him five minutes. Uh, Of course, nothing ever happened from that. Um, But it was enough for me to go look into it. And the reason I would looked into is because um, quite a few years ago, uh, Phil got in trouble because he did (laughs) a uh, Nazi salute and said white power on stage. Now, uh, he said the reason he did this is because there were people in the front row, once again, that were calling him racist and saying all this shit, egging him on, trolling him and all this shit. And so in his mind, he thought, you know what? You want to see something bad? You want to see something bad, motherfucker? Here you go. And so he did that. He regrets it. He apologized for it once and said that, he wouldn't, that he's not racist. He was just pissed off by them and he wanted to show them the monster they wanted to see. Uh, and then he said he would never apologize for it again. Uh, and he never has. Anytime it's brought up, he does not say sorry again. Um, and with him, it seems like when he's, if you're in the front row of a Pantera show uh, and you give Phil shit, you will, he, he's going to do something crazy or uh, the audience is going to beat your ass. Is what I learned from that. Well, see, I would like to have my ass beat right now. The thing about Phil is I, I've learned from going to his shows that uh, when he gets irritated, he's one of those people that does stupid shit when they get irritated without thinking about it and then thinks about it later. Pretty much. And, that's that's what it seems to have happened in, in right. most if you of these watch, cases. 
if you watch the DVDs, like the vulgar DVDs and stuff like that, it's the same thing. You see him in the hotel room, and when he gets irritated and pissed off, he just does stupid shit. Like, slinging a TV out of the fucking window at, goddamn, I think they were 22 stories up without thinking about what was on the bottom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally did that shit. Uh-huh. He got pissed off and just slung the TV out right in the middle of damn traffic. Yeah. Luckily, it didn't hit nobody. But, yeah, I've seen tons of shit where he does stupid shit like that. But that, to me, you know, and I'm glad you, you know, you brought that up and you did the research. Like, like I said earlier, that's not what I got from it at all. But each, like we were talking about earlier, things like that hit people in different ways. You know what I'm saying? So it's like what I got from it is what I said. I mean, when you when you look at the lyrics, you know, uh, it says uh, like the first one, I see you had your mind made up you group of pitiful liars before I woke to face the day, your master plan transpires. Something told me this job had more than meets the eye. My song is not believed my words somewhat deceiving. Now I'm on hold and see me. I, I, what I get out of that for me personally is that somebody has got the misconception of you and you know, what they've already got, what they've already got in their head is what it is. It sticks. That's what it is. They don't know you. They don't, they haven't tried to have a conversation with you. Nothing like that. This is just, what they what they stereotype or what they believe you are based on what they see, judging the book by its cover. You yeah, know and I one hundred percent get that. And I think I think he definitely took more of uh the what the, the father said you know, to name the song. But I also do think he looked at it and go, This dad doesn't know me. He doesn't know what really happened, he doesn't know the situation. He thinks I beat up his kid when I didn't beat up his kid. His kid got his ass kicked for being an asshole by his fellow peers. But you're going to judge me and jump on me and think you're going to come kick my ass uh, over a a story that's not true. Right. And so and so when I was when I was a teenager, I, I, I dealt with a fair bit of that. And I'm sure that, you know, I don't know about Jay, but I'm sure, Jerry, you can relate, you know, when you. Yeah, where you see where somebody sees you and they see how you are as a person. And I've always been different since I was a kid, like kid, kid. And, you know, they they judge you automatically without getting to know you. They don't you know, they don't they don't want to know what your your look on something is or or your artistic taste or anything else like that. It's just like all they see is the fact that you're wearing a a fucking Marilyn Manson T-shirt that says, kill God, kill yourself, uh, kill God, kill your mom and dad, kill yourself. Yeah, I don't. That's all they see. I can't tell you how many times that I got my ass kicked by Jesus-loving Christians who called me, you know, a Satan-worshipping cock-sucking faggot the entire time they were beating my ass. Right. And I'm like, first of all, you weren't even there when I sucked a dick, so you don't even know, okay? <laughs> and fuck your Jesus. And then they kicked my ass more. So. But so yeah, it is something I can I can relate to, and I think most people uh, can relate to whether it's uh, people getting the wrong idea about them because of something someone else said, or just by the way they look. Um, it, it's a topic almost everyone can relate to, and I think the the song does do a good job of conveying it and conveying the the pain and and hate that you get when you're when that happens to you. There's an undertone of disgust in every word he says. And I, I, I dig it. I, I liked it. And then when the music's on top of it, that just mean, heavy fucking music, it just makes you want to beat the fuck out of somebody. 
It's so yeah. good. I love it, it. It does. I beat the shit out of my dick right after the song. Yeah. I didn't even come. I just punched it a lot. Fuck yeah, man. You should have <laughs> yeah. took a video of that. So I would have loved to have seen Fuck. Yeah. I'd have been there. I've been, been agging you on. I've been like, yeah, slap it, motherfucker. Yeah. Slap it. Do it. Punch it. Crack an Get egg it. on it. Come on. Yeah. Crack an egg. What the fuck? That's just <laughs> weird. I'm into weird shit, okay? Yeah, you make good lubricant, bro. Yeah. Slap Whole me. time, Ludacris is in the background rapping. It's great. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's uh, some information on music and the, the music that kind of changed us. And with that being said, we're going to take our first break and you're going to hear that Pantera song, which is called, uh, it's five minutes alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with that being said, here is Pantera, uh, to soothe you and calm you down and get you in a happy place as we go into literature next.
calming and soothing and i definitely don't feel like beating someone song. with a deer carcass that i found on the side of the road i am so glad i got to see pantera live not uh, once not twice but three times my dad saw them live because he told me a, a, about uh him being in, in a pit during a pantera song so awesome um, i got kicked in the fucking head i got kicked in the head uh by the lead singer of evergreen terrace once fun yeah, I don't know who that is. It's I got kicked in. Go ahead. <laughs> I got kicked in the head, and then I turned around and I decked the dude in the fucking nose, and Phil was looking right at me at the tabernacle when I did it. Yeah, fuck him. Uh, awesome. I have never been kicked in the head. Uh, I have an awesome video of a wall of death that I watched from the outside when I went to go see Exodus last year. Oh, I bet that was a great fucking show. It was Exodus and Municipal Waste, and there's some other band, some other thrash band. Nice. Uh, but Exodus was the original singer. He came back and was... Uh, Fuck, yeah. So that was fucking cool. All right. But we're done with music. We are now talking about <laughs> books. We are going to go over some books that we just fucking love. Um, 
so I guess I'll start again, and um, I've talked about this book before, but um, there was a book when I was young called Raptor Red, uh, and it's not the book I'm going to talk about, but it leads into it. My <laughs> next door neighbor led read wanted me to read this book, um, and the whole book is it, it's about it's about raptors, the dinosaurs, but the whole book is from the perspective of a raptor. And it's very, like, scientific and natural and all that shit. <laughs> that sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, it's right? pretty good. I was thinking the same thing. Uh, it's really good. I think it, I think it's Utah Raptors, if I can remember correctly. I have the book sitting on my shelf still. I've got a first edition hardback over there. Um, so show me that when I come up in a couple of weeks? Yeah. So I was like, it was pretty good. And he goes, I've got another book that's going to blow you away. And I was like, okay. He was like, I know you love sharks. I know you love Jaws. Here's a book called Meg by Steve Vaughn. And I was like, okay, sure. I read that shit in two days. I spent my entire weekend reading that. And keep in mind, I'm in like fifth grade. Um, I'm in fifth or sixth grade. It was one of those. The book came out in 97. Um, And I read it. And of course, a lot of you have seen the movie um, by now. And the movie... Well, you have it, and the movie's okay, but the movie is nothing like the book, and I literally mean they just took names from the book and used that, but they didn't use anything from the actual book. And this book, uh, Jay, you actually read this book. Um, I did before the movie came out. Well, I listened to it. It was an audio book, but yes. Yeah, because Jay can't read because we told you earlier he, he was born deaf. Huh? <laughs> yeah, so... Um, <laughs> But is the book is a very fast paced action yeah, it is. book. It's fuck it's crazy. And it's it's a book that really changed the way I read. Because after I read this, I was like, I'm done with goosebumps, okay? Meg changed the way I read. After I read it, I was like, I've gotta read bigger books. And from that I started reading like uh Stephen King books. I read Pet Cemetery and uh Eyes of the Dragon. Uh, and, and, uh, I also, the other big book besides Meg that I read as a kid was Ender's Game. That was another Ah, book that guy let me read and super good, but fuck Ender's Game. It's all about the Ender's Shadow series. Ender's Shadow series beats the shit out of Ender's Game series. So if you've read Ender's Game, you should read Ender's Shadow because it's Ender's Game told from the point of view of Bean, which is another character. And it's fucking awesome. Uh but so these these books, it's these four books, Meg, Eyes of the Dragon, Pet Cemetery, and uh Ender's Game that changed the way I read books. And they kind of th- those are the books that evolved me from reading these goosebumps and uh you know, Fear Street and shit like that. And hey, get, hey, hey, don't knock Fear Street, man. I'm not knocking Fear Street. Yo, R.L. Stein got people to read. I was reading about fucking big hamsters and fucking uh, choose your own adventures where you get to did you fucking ever read alligator. What? Yeah, the, fucking alligator. Did what? you ever <laughs> Did you ever read the Fear Street trilogy that was the history of how, like, the Fear family, how the street got came to be known as Fear Street. 
No, I just assumed that they had an incestual orgy in the middle of the road that the town got really pissed off about. That they would do it every night at fucking midnight, howling like wolves, and the fucking town just comes out there with their pitchforks and their gas and their lanterns and torches and yell at them and poke them, but they just like it. They're the fucking little Susie fears, like, oh, yeah, burn my fucking balls. And you're like, why do you have balls? You're a girl. She's like, don't you fucking identify me. And they're like, you know what? Fuck it. Just set them all on fire. <laughs> so they just set them all on fucking fire right in the middle of the street. And after that, they were they felt really bad about it. And they were like, well, let's just name the street after him and say it was a weird accident um, from their crazy religion. And people believe that, and that's that's how it happened, right? Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> okay, so how did it really happen? Did you read these books? I don't remember. I was just curious if you had ever read. I so I was I was actually in the uh, psych ward when these books came out, and my cousin, who was also into the Fear Street books at the same time, uh, brought me at this little box set, this trilogy, the Fear Street uh, Origins or whatever the fuck it was called, Part One, Two, and Three. Um, so that's, I was just curious if anybody else wrote it. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I like, well, you know, hopefully his, ver- I'm sure R.L. Stein wrote something close to what I wrote. Um, anyway, so yeah, those books really changed me. So I do, I, I highly recommend uh, Meg by Steve Alton, um, Pet Cemetery by Stephen King, uh, Eyes of the Dragon by Stephen King is not a horror novel. It is a fantasy one, but it is really fucking good. And then uh, the Ender's Game, uh, Ender's Shadow combo if you want science fiction. Um, So with that being said, Jay, what do you got for books? So when I was younger, I read a lot. And I mean a lot. Mostly because I was locked up in a psych ward for almost an entire year. And there's not much to do besides read. Uh, I remember the My Teacher is an Alien series. Yeah, that's a good series. Um, uh, Boxcar Children, of course. Classic. Uh, as you said, Fear Street. I never actually read Goosebumps. I kind of just jumped right into Fear Street. I was always uh, above average when it came to intelligence, so reading really came easier and understanding and comprehension really well, came yeah, easier. Well, yeah, you were deaf. Me. It made up your other yeah, senses. Exactly. You, it's like a superpower, like yeah. reverse Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're um, deaf. Oh, sweet. What ability do I get? Oh, you can read really well. Yeah. That's Fuck, how thanks. I fight crime. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I jumped right into Fear Street and I read a lot of those. The uh, the Babysitter, uh, there's like three of those that are really good, um, which is kind of like uh, One Miss Call, that movie where uh, someone's calling from inside the house and it's all kinds of fucked up. Um, and then I kind of dropped off for a little bit uh, in high school. I didn't read too much. Um, I really got back into reading uh, – maybe 11 years ago now, when I first moved to Washington and I was taking advantage of the library and I read Ender's Game for the first time. It's funny that you mentioned it. And it just fucking blew my mind. Oh, have you? So I really started researching other uh, sci-fi novels. I read through, so I didn't, I've never read Ender's Shadow. I really should. Oh, you got, Um, it's so good. But I read the original three in the trilogy. Uh, oh, Speaker Ender's for Game, the Dead. Speaker for the Dead, and Xenocide, I think, is the third one. Yeah. Um, but that kind of led me, like, I started looking up mo- uh, books 
based on movies that I really like. So I read uh, Starship Troopers, which is way different than the movie, by the way. Yeah. Uh, they kind of have some similar themes, but yeah, they example, both have space. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I mean, some of the political commentary is, is similar. Uh, but for example, uh, Dizzy, the female lead in the movie, is a man who dies in the first three pages. <laughs> I'm okay so, with that. Me too. But yeah, so that's kind of that was kind of my resurgence of reading, and then it, then from there it kind of switched to comic books, which is a whole separate category. So I won't go too much into that. But comic books kind of has been my main medium of of reading. In general, um, I've been listening to some audiobooks for the past year or so. Uh, well, yeah, you got your hearing back. Things. I mean, you got to uh, start so, reading. <laughs> I listened to The Meg, as you mentioned. I listened to Pet Sanitary. That was the first time. And fuck, man, King can write. God damn, can he just build a scene? Yeah, but sometimes he writes too much and you're like, Steven, I don't so give a fuck about this lamp. Okay, that's how I felt about Lord of the Rings. I feel the I same way. I tried to read the Lord of the Rings book, and I was just like, I don't care what the fucking forest looks like. Why is there eleven pages of descriptions of the leaves? And it's about as I bad as Anne Rice when she does fucking five pages on a wall. It's like, look, I get it. The vampire is dancing on the wall. Who gives a shit? Just bring Armand in. Yeah, see, I can really get behind you on the Fellowship of the Ring, man. Those, I can't too, dude. Uh, I, it was it was almost like I wanted to. Uh, I had never read them, and I wanted to, and I wanted to because you know I watched the movies and stuff like that, and I and I had read the Hobbit, but I never. I didn't read, like the movies either. I, I really liked the movies, but uh, and 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 it was it was like a fucking chore, man, trying to get through it. I was like, what the fuck. Uh, and and I kept having to push myself and push myself and finally, I, d- I didn't even finish like the last fucking hour of damn. Uh, and this was listening to the audiobooks. I didn't even fucking finish like the last hour of the Fellowship of the Ring and didn't even listen to the other two. I'm in the same boat. Uh, I read The Hobbit and I fucking loved it. So we were going on vacation to Key West and we were driving down in an RV. So I got to go buy a book that I could read on my way down. So. I got to buy two books. So the two books I chose (laughs) was Lord of the Rings, the first book, the fellowship of the ring fellowship of the rings. Well, what's the, is that fellowship? Is that right? Yeah. The fellowship of the ring. Yeah. Yeah. And Anne Rice's interview with the vampire. I, I, I did read both books. I read fellowship all the way down. And then I read interview all the way up, but it's literally because I had no other, choice i had nothing i could do but read this fucking book lord of the fellowship of the ring was a chore to get through and Anne rice was easier to get through but she has the same problem that stephen king does where he, she can get way too descriptive on shit that does not need descriptions and i i, I can agree with you on that on interview the vampire it's like when you start reading some of the others they don't they're not they're descriptive but they're descriptive about what's going on they're not you know she's not spending so much time on them uh, on the setting versus she's spending a lot of time on the actions and the emotions of characters yeah and it's like i get it you're a vampire your dick doesn't work shut the fuck up louie so <laughs> my mom actually read i think all of or most of the vampire chronicles i remember her reading those books um i've never actually read them 
I know Kenneth's read some of them. That actually goes right into, you know, if you want me to go into mine. No, Ooh, not yet. I'm not done. Look at that segue. No segues. Oh, no segues. Sorry. No segues. No, I'm here. not done. So, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> well, I was just going to mention that uh, in my in my resurgence of reading since Ender's Game, I also knocked out like the Bourne trilogy because I was curious about those. I said Starship Troopers. Uh, I picked up this random book from Goodwill. I was just kind of going through the books and it was about the reincarnation of King Arthur. Uh, so the Holy Grail exists and it grants immortality and other powers. And so this bad guy has it and he's, uh, also Ramses, uh, the first or whatever from history, and he's a couple mm-hmm. other historical figures because the Grails kept him alive since like he found it like the beginning of time or some bullshit like that. Uh, but at one point, King Arthur gets reincarnated as this kid, and Lancelot gets reincarnated as this like grizzled drunk cop, and the Grail falls in possession of the kid, of course, because he's King Arthur, and, and he's so black, this... and the cop shoots him because he's black. <laughs> exactly. End of book. Uh, and there's a whole adventure with uh, time travel and, and going to Scotland and other such things. But that was pretty good. And then, like I said, I switched to audiobooks. Uh, so I read Ready Player One, American Gods, which was fucking phenomenal, by the way. I fucking love uh, the author whose name I can't remember. Neil so Gaiman. I love him so much. Neil Gaiman, right? That's him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Neil Diamond. No, yeah, Neil Diamond. <laughs> uh, I love him. I've read his comics, and then so to be able to read that book... Uh, but yeah, my favorite, my favorite author is actually a comic book author, so when we get to comic books, I'll talk more about him. And now we can segue. I love vampires and pale Tom Cruise. Go ahead, Kenneth. <laughs> well, I mean, all right, so just to go ahead and give the answer, the, the life-changing book that I read was The Vampire Lestat by Anne Rice. But, I mean, I had read you know, books before that. Um, I, I also had read a few of the fear street books, um, read goosebumps, uh, Benicula, um, you know, and, and, and other stuff. I had read some Stephen King. Um, but it, my dad had always, my dad was a huge Anne Rice fan. And so he had always talked about these. And then the movie came out, interview the vampire. And, uh, at the time when the movie came out, you know, that was when dad really started talking to me about it and stuff like that. And, uh, I was, I, I really loved the movie. And so I was like, okay, well I want, you know, more of this. And when I read the vampire Lestat, that was when I really started getting a taste of, uh, literary world building on a huge scale. You know, because like, like most of the time when you're reading stuff like Stephen King or something like that, it, don't get me wrong, it's fantastic writing, but it's secluded to to this one area. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, uh, uh, the different towns that it goes on, and like Pet Cemetery, where you're basically like in Pet Cemetery, you're basically secluded to, for the most part, the uh, the town. But even through a smaller scale, you're secluded to, you know, the family's house on one side of the street, their neighbor's house on the other side of the street, and then the cemetery. Just say it. You hate Maine. Uh, it's not that I hate Maine. I actually want to go because I've because of Stephen King stuff. You know what I'm saying? And then and the same thing with it. You know what I'm saying? It's all pretty much centered down to Derry. You know, and then and then if you start reading some of the short stories like the Langoliers and stuff like that, you know, you're inside an airport or you're or you're doing this, or you're doing that. It's all, you know, small things. But then when I when I read Anne Rice, 
you know what I'm saying? I went from, you know, these small areas to, you know, the, the mountains in France and then Paris and then, you know, uh, Louisiana and all these places. And, and it gets even greater the further you get into the series. And, and you've also got these, these characters where you've got, you know, in Lestat, you've got, you know, the one narrating character, but he talks about so many others. And then you got reoccurring characters from Interview the Vampire, which was the first book. And, 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 and that's what really got me into the literary world because it, it, it was something that when I read this book, I was just like, oh my God, man, this, this sounds so fucking cool. It would be awesome to, to be in this world. And, and, and and I fucking loved it, and and I've been a fan of Anne Rice ever since, and I see why my dad is, you know, and so I, I've continued through them, and then when you get past that one and you get into Queen of the Damned, I mean, it just gets fucking better, you know. There's only a couple of them out of the Vampire Chronicles where I'm just kind of like, uh, eh, you know what I'm saying? Like the Vampire Armand, I mean, it's just like how many times can you write about two guys fucking? You know what I'm saying? Nothing against gay people, but after you've gotten halfway through a book. And and you've heard about these these guys fucking each other so many times. You're just like, all right, I, I, I'm t- I'm tired of hearing about people fucking each other. But other than that, yeah. You know, and to be fair, if I want to read about two guys fucking, that's what Clive Barker's for. Yeah, and <laughs> I was actually I was actually going to go into that. I mean, it went from it went from that, and that's when I started getting into you know, like Jay was saying, where you start paying attention to the fact that these movies that you love are based off of books. You know, like when I got into Hellraiser and I really got into Clive Barker, I was just like, okay, well, I want to read the Hellbound Heart. When I read the Hellbound Heart, I mean, it just fucking blew open. When I got into the Books of Blood and then Cabal for Nightbreed and then uh, Damnation Game. And, uh, you know, he finally came out with uh, the Scarlet Gospels, which I fucking loved it. Um, you know, so and, and and the only bad thing is about me is that it's kind of made me center around certain authors that I tend to stick to versus branching out into other things. You know, like I've read other books like uh, I think somebody tried to get me into those books by Laurel K. Hamilton and I just didn't like them. There, it's, it's, it's just Kmart and Rice. Okay, right. Let's I mean, not it's just, sugarcoat it. I, I just couldn't dig it. I just didn't. I didn't know? read it because as a rule, I take whatever my brother reads and I don't read it. Actually, I think it was your brother that convinced me to read it. It probably was. And I, and I just couldn't, you know, I just couldn't dig it. You know, because I was just like, okay, this, 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 the shit in this stuff is just fucking ridiculous. I don't, I don't, I don't, it, it, it didn't give me the, the sense. It was like watching a fucking cheap, it, it was like reading the script for a cheap vampire movie. That's what, that's what it was. Yeah. If I want lesbian vampires, I'll just watch a Jess Franco movie. Uh, I just watch porn. Well, there's <laughs> horrorporn.com. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Always I mean, but like I said, I mean that you know, and I was actually going to ask Jay. He brought it up. How was the fucking born born series in book? Oh, they're so good. Okay, so listen, uh, in the movies, it all takes place within a few years. Um, in the books, they're spread out a lot further, and they really uh, dive deep into his uh, alternate identity kind of psychosis. So the first one is pretty much on point i mean obviously there's some changes uh but it's pretty much on point but then at the start of the second one he's like a professor and he's living at this like medical uh facility so they can help undo all the damage he did and 
something happens and the government needs his particular set of skills. And so they fake kidnap Marie uh, instead of kill her because she dies in the, in the second movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of forces his alternate, it's like Jason Bourne is like an alternate personality. And there's even times where he's going back and forth, like talking to himself. Oh, uh, I got to get into this. So they kidnap his, they kidnap his wife and it forces his Jason Bourne personality out. And he gets fucking pissed, of course, after he figures it all out. Uh, and then the third one uh, takes place. He's like old. He's like 40 or 50. And so it's more him having to use his mind and not rely so much on his physical ability. And then the bad guy from the first book comes back uh, and they kind of have this final showdown. And just, the first three are fantastic. Uh, after that, I think the author uh, started giving other people to permission to write stories, and so oh, yeah, kind of like first the kind of like where they tried to go with the movie. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. You didn't see the? Did you see the Born Legacy where it had dude? Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. So the first three movies were fucking awesome, and then after that, they kind of you know figured yeah, they would go in a different okay. direction. I, I didn't like. I, I mean, I own it, but I didn't like it as much. <laughs> Is this I the, was the, the Matt that, Damon movie? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't watch it because I just couldn't believe Matt Damon as like a... Dude, Matt Damon is such a good actor, though. He's a good actor, but I don't know if he's a good enough actor to make me think he can do these things. So, look, oh, he, he does a fucking fantastic job. really Jason good, Moore. but the director is a really big fan of, like, choppy editing, and it can get... Uh, confusing at times as to what's going on i'll stick to uh, my but sean connery daniel craig bond but movies everything else that's going on is really good like there's some mysteries in each movie on like who's doing what and there's a couple of really like ha oh shit moments so i don't know maybe you give them a shot if you've never watched them yeah so the thing uh, about it is with the born movies is is it's not it's not like they're not trying to be spy movies per se they're not trying to be james bond they're not trying to be that. This is a movie about a guy, or I, I, you know, and I'm just going to go from the movies and not the books because I haven't read them. This is a movie about a guy who was trained to be a fucking amazing assassin. Some MK Ultra shit. I don't know. Oh, but Do you know like what MK Ultra is? No, that's the reason why I'm saying it. I don't know. Oh, dude, MK Ultra was a thing that the government did. Where they were trying to uh, break people's minds and uh, to make like the ultimate assassin, and this is like a legit thing. Like it got some of it got uh, most of it got destroyed, uh, but some of it that didn't get destroyed actually came out through the government, and where they were like force feeding people acid. Uh, like trying to destroy their brains so they could rewire it, and like there's like tales of them like basically just raping like women or children to over and over and over again to just destroy them so they could then rebuild them mentally as like children like assassins or like seductive women assassins. Kind of, but not not to the extreme of that. Like no one fucked well, him, is what you're saying. Right. Well, I'm okay, not going to okay. say the extreme. I mean, the way that they built these guys was pretty extreme, but it wasn't like it was more torturous and shit like that. But the point is, is that he's a fucking badass assassin and something happens. I can't remember exactly. I can't. I think he like bumps his head or gets shot in the head or something. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember. I, do you want me to, so it's it's 
he flubs an assassination because the guy's right. kids get involved. And he's like, yeah. oh, shit, well, I'm not going to shoot this guy in the head in front of his kids. And, Pussy. yeah, he gets, his head gets all fucked up. Yeah, and so he gets amnesia. So he can't remember who the fuck he is or what he does. But his skill set from all the shit that's basically been implanted into him is still there. Yeah, it's so all like, basically. Yeah, 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 basically. So, like, he, like, one of the most famous scenes from the first movie is he's in a park, you know, after he comes, they pick him up on a boat and then they take him, you know, back and he's trying to remember who he is and he can't. And when he gets, uh, I think he's in France, when he gets there, um, he's in a park at night and these two cops come up and say that he can't be in the park. And then he just fucking whoops their asses and, He's, he's he's holding a gun and pointing at him. Don't know how the fuck he got the gun from him. Don't know what the fuck just happened. He just knows that he whooped their fucking asses. And he's l- sitting there looking at it, and he's looking at them, and he's like... And then everything... Like, he still don't remember what he is, but his skill set starts fucking kicking in. So it's like he, he takes off, and he starts running, and he starts using his instinctual skills to figure out who he is. Okay, well, maybe that's something we can look at for Jerry Hates action. It's, oh, it's maybe. really you fucking good, like dude. it. Because yeah, so. there's a lot of story. Let's, it's not well, just mindless let's action sequences. get back on topic here. Okay. Uh, one more thing I want to tell Kenneth about the books, since that's on topic. Uh, so the first and third have the same main bad guy. Um, do you you know the assassin, like the real-life assassin, the jackal, right? Like the mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. So he's uh, a version of him is the bad guy in the first and third book. So that's kind of cool. Hell yeah. I downloaded nice. a bunch of the james bond novels because i wanted to see how much they are like the movies james bond in the book smokes like 200 cigarettes a day i wouldn't be surprised that like that is way too many cigarettes <laughs> but that's like 10 packs of cigarettes um but yeah it was Anne rice that uh the vampire Lestat. that was the one that oh was that's one what we were really, talking about yeah that was the one that changed uh changed my life when it came to books all right well, then we move into uh, the other thing of literature, but literature with pictures. Yeah. Because reading is hard. Great. Uh, we're going to go into uh, comics. And um, while I've read a lot of comics, there is one standout comic book series for me that has... Do we want to timestamp? No, because I'm doing books and comics together. Okay, my bad. Don't worry. I've got the timestamp down. I will yeah. make it happen sexually uh, mm-hmm. with segues um, and donuts and Paul Blart Mall Cop. Um, okay, so comic books. So there's a comic book that came out in 1978, well before I was born. But my uh, dad's, uh, after his second wife, he got engaged to this other woman, and she was a big fan of the, this series, and this series is called ElfQuest. Um, it is a fantasy series, and it is about elves, obviously. Um, they, so there's this group of elves. They live in these forests, and you know humans hate them. They think they're devils and demons, and it's all. But the elves are like, no, y'all are just assholes. Uh, and the elves are always trying to figure out kind of where they came from, but they never really leave the forest to find out. Well, one day some shit goes down between the elves and the humans, and the human uh, just ups and burns the fucking forest down. Forcing the elves to escape. They escape using the uh, troll caves. Uh, but the trolls trick them and send them uh, heading towards 
uh, a fucking desert. Goddamn trolls. Yeah. So then the uh, they make it all the way across the desert to find another fucking tribe of elves who live out in the desert called the Sunfolk. Uh, and this sparks what becomes the their sole mission to find other elves and figure out where the fuck they they eventually come from and i'm not gonna say it's aliens but aliens uh but in all seriousness this uh story um has been going on since 1978 uh they dark horse just finished a um run called final quest um which they said they might do more of quest but for now it's done um it has been literally it's been published by Marvel, it's been published by DC, it's been published by their own Warp Comics, it's been done by Dark Horse, there's so much of it out there, but it is one of the, it's not a comic specifically for kids, like you definitely shouldn't let a kid read this because there is some sexuality in it, but it's such a fucking deep story and such deep character like stuff, It, it, it fucking blew me away and I always get surprised when I find out someone's into ElfQuest. Because it's known but not super well known. Like like it's been on AMC's uh, uh, fucking uh, Kevin Smith's uh, comic book men. Like it happened to show up on one of those episodes once. And the comic has shown up in the background of a Big Bang Theory. But it's not super well known. There's no movies about it or anything like that. Um, and it's fucking... Just one. It's just one of the greatest stories I've ever read. I truly loved it, um, and it's one that I, I would say if you have any interest in a really, really fucking deep and good fantasy story. If you're into fantasy novels and shit like that, check out fucking ElfQuest. You can read like all of the original stuff on the ElfQuest website. They have it all up for free, so you can go ahead and start reading it. It's it's fucking phenomenal. If you're into comics, I highly fucking recommend it. So the one I'm going for for comic book is ElfQuest. But I do want to shout out to uh, Marvel uh, in the 70s did a run for Godzilla. It's fantastic uh, because Godzilla gets in fights with the Avengers. So you can't beat that. Um, But with that being said, I'm now going to pass it on to the person who's probably read the most comic books out of all three of us, Jay. Maybe. So... My history with comic books is actually more recent. Uh, And by recent, I mean like 10, 12 years. Um, So as a kid, my first experience with comic books was actually a teacher's aide who, for my birthday, gave me a stack of X-Men comic books. Um, I never really collected them uh, when I was younger. I never really read them. The most exposure I had to comic books in general was watching the 90s Fox X-Men series and the 90s Fox Spider-Man series. Awesome. Um, and that kind of started my my love for these characters, uh, Spider-Man especially. Fast forward to like 10 or 12 years later, and I message a buddy of mine who is a huge comic book fan, uh, and I go, hey, what are some comics to read? I'd like to read some comics. And he had previously lent me his copy of Watchmen that I read. Um, so that was cool. I uh, I really enjoyed Watchmen. 
Um, so I, I asked him, I was like, I need some suggestions. And so he suggested a couple titles. Uh, Invincible is one. Uh, the Boys, uh, Punisher, Max. Uh, Matt, the Max label is Marvel's adult label where there's uh, nudity and lots of graphic violence and it's rated mature, 18 plus or whatever comic books version of that rating is. Um, and a couple others. So I really got into them. I liked some of them so much that I actually started a comic book uh like a weekly uh, list of titles that the comic book shop would order for me. And I started to really kind of deep dive into them through illegal and legal means. <laughs> um, and I really got into a writer by the name of Garth Ennis. So his most famous work is probably a series called Preacher. So this is nine volumes. I don't remember how many issues it ends up being, like 60 or something like that, with a couple of uh, side stories. And it is about a disenfranchised preacher who is uh, like questioning his, his religion when the spawn of an angel and a devil called Genesis possesses him and gives him the ability of the word of God. This power allows him to pretty much control anybody that can comprehend what he's saying. So it's, they actually cover this in the book, but like, for example, if he speaks English to someone who only speaks French, the power won't work because the person can't comprehend it. If he gives a command to a cat, it doesn't work because the cat can't comprehend it. However, when somebody does, they have to do everything he says literally. The first major example we get of this is at the end of the first arc where he tells a cop to go fuck himself. And the cop does by ripping off his own dick and shoving it up his ass. Yay. That <laughs> is one way of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so the, uh, the, uh, the plot is basically that, um, God has gone missing from heaven, and in his absence, uh, an angel and devil, an angel and a demon fell in love and mated. This goes against God's command, and so the, the spawn they created is is Genesis, and it escapes from heaven and possesses this guy. And so at the end of the first arc, he's like, you know what? We're going to go find God and make him answer for him just abandoning heaven. And along the way, he meets a alcoholic vampire. This is the his, best sequel to Dogma I've ever heard of. <laughs> his ex, who's now an assassin. Um, the spirit of death, who happens to be an uh, old cowboy who was granted immortality and magic guns created by God that never missed their mark. Uh, and you actually learn his backstory. And they just go on this adventure around the world trying to find literal God. And the ending, I think, Jerry, you would fucking love... Uh, I won't spoil it here in case anybody wants to go see it or read it rather. But I instantly fell in love with this guy. He just pushes the envelope, doesn't give a shit, writes whatever he wants. Uh, he did another series called The Boys, which basically makes fun of superheroes and parodies them. Uh, like there's a parody of the X-Men in it, but instead of the Professor X character, trying to save children and like, you know, teach them how to use their abilities and stuff. He's collecting children because he's a pedophile, uh, and all Good kinds sense. of other, uh, yep. is he Catholic? <laughs> I don't think his religion is discussed. Uh, uh, there's a character it's not in that book. discussed. He's Catholic. 
I think it's default pedophile status to just Probably. be Catholic. Uh, the Superman character for that book uh, actually caused 9-11, um, except 9-11 isn't the Twin Towers. It's like the Golden Gate Bridge or some yeah. other landmark. He uh, like flew Was he the president of the United States? No, no, no. So he's the Superman guy, and he gets bored, and because he can do whatever he wants, he like flies in this plane and just starts like killing and eating all the passengers, and the plane crashes into the Golden Gate Bridge. Wow. So he's he was his name Superbush? No, I can't remember what his name is now. The Homelander. His name is Homelander. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> uh, wow. But he's done all kinds of different series. And so I just instantly fell in love with this guy. And then uh, Robert Kirkman, uh, most famous for Walking Dead, uh, writes a series called Invincible, which is kind of a different take on the Superman archetype as well. Um it's about this kid whose father is the Superman of the universe, uh, and he starts developing powers. So it's him coming to terms with all these abilities, uh, and then also learning his his father's history and past before he became the savior of Earth, and all kinds of shit happens. It's fantastic. It's way more adult and grown up. Uh, there are some real life consequences, which is a nice change from typical uh, capes and tights superheroes. But of course, as most people know, Spider-Man is my all-time favorite superhero. Um, the cartoon made me fall in love with him. Once I started actually reading his comic books, I, it just got bigger and bigger. The movies are fantastic. I own all of them, all six of them. Uh, seven, once Spider-Verse comes out on, on home video. Um, I love that his moral compass is pretty much never wavering. Uh, there are instances throughout his comic book history where he loses his no-nonsense attitude because he's so angry. Uh, one of my favorite ones is after the events of Civil War where he reveals his identity and his aunt is uh, shot and put in the hospital. He actually goes to prison, strips off all of his clothes except for his pants, his tights, uh, and then proceeds to beat the living shit out of Kingpin. Doesn't kill him. But at the end, he holds him up and he goes, I just want you to know that I can do this anytime I want. And then leaves the prison with him, like, beat to a fucking pulp because Kingpin was responsible for his aunt getting shot. And stuff like that is just the character himself is so... I don't even know how to really, like, put it into words. I just... I love everything about him and I relate to him so hard because he's not... Throughout most of his history, he's not really loved by anybody. Like, the... Uh, he has terrible luck with his relationships because he's always constantly fighting with his identity as Spider-Man. Uh, the public doesn't care for him in droves like they do other superheroes. Um, and he's yeah, always... Thanks to the always, fake media, Jameson. Well, yeah, that, that's partially, yeah, that's, that's correct. But he almost always is trying to do the right thing. And I just, I totally respect that about the character. He's one of the only ones in all of comic bookdom who has this unwavering moral compass and it's just something that I love. Uh, and so he quickly became my favorite and he was unique too. Like plenty of people can fly, plenty of people can run fast. Nobody else can stick to wall and shoot webs out of their, their wrists. Uh, even if they are, even if it's a man-made gadget, he is a like the most unique in my opinion, superhero in the, uh, the mainstream. I mean, there's I, other people, like, there's a comic called Chew, where a detective can eat things to get visions, uh, and that's kind of weird, but 
Yeah, as, as far as the acid. main street characters. What? No, chew. I said chew. <laughs> yeah, no, you eat acid and you get visions. Oh, I got you. Yeah, but yeah, but I so agree that's... with you. Spider Man is is one of my favorites. I do enjoy quite a few Spider Man uh, storylines. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my my journey with comic books. And Jerry knows uh, I am currently attempting to read all nine hundred original issues of Amazing Spider Man. I am. 10 okay. in. I, I gotta say this real quick. You keep yes. saying 900 of the original Spider-Man. The first run of Spider-Man is 700 issues. After 700 issues, then you got the reboot. Because I know because I was collecting Spider-Man comics during the time. After Spider- after 700, then it restarts over at 1. What? Yeah. So I, I've been meaning whoa, to correct whoa, whoa, you wait. on that. But issue 900 is the one where he dies so you're telling me there's 700 and then 900 i don't know where of the original amazing spider-man it stops at 700 but amazing spider-man 900 is when he dies i have that issue that the the amazing spider-man is fucking 700 hold on a second Well, actually, don't hold on a second, because obviously we're just going to have dead air if I... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was... You guys can issues. move on. I'm going to do a little research while we continue to talk. You go right, right ahead there, buddy. Um, let's, I, I'm trying to pull... Oh, you're my... right. It is 700. Yeah. Okay. See, told you, bitch. I'm a fucking idiot. <clears throat> I do have this issue. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So the all 700 original issues. Yes. My mistake... Because because Doc Ock takes over Spider-Man's yeah. body, yeah. and then what happens is after 700, when they restart the series, the Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, well, no, no, no. Uh, Superior Spider-Man is Doc Ock, but when Amazing Spider-Man starts over and it goes back to issue one for the new series, which only lasted like 20-something issues before they restarted it again. Um, it was, uh, Peter Parker goes back into Spider-Man's body. Well, Peter Parker goes back in Peter Parker's body. It is no longer Doc Ock and Peter Parker's body. It's, right. Spider-Man's so I confusing. I just had my number wrong. Yeah. That's so, all. Kenneth, what do you like comic book wise? I actually got started on comic books later on in life. Um, you know, my interest was peaked into comic books, um, after I saw The Crow. And I was always into the more the the darker comics and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I love Spider-Man. Um, I was actually introduced to Spider-Man when I was younger, but I didn't like get head over heels or really into comics later until later on. Um, when I was a kid, I had showed some interest in comics. So for Christmas one year, I got uh, a, a comic book box with some comics in it for me to get started. But at that time, I really wasn't into it hardcore, so it, it kind of didn't go anywhere. And so later on, um, after I saw the movie The Crow, I was told that the movie was based off comic books. And I was like, well, fucking cool. Let's, you know, let's, let's, I want to go check this out. And so a friend of mine had them all, had every Crow comic that had been released. And he just gave them to me. He was like, here you go. And I was like, fuck yeah. So I sat down and I read all of those, which they were fucking great. And then uh, from there, it just kind of spawned into trying to find things that were darker and more, you know, and meaner. Even though, uh, like, I got into Spawn, but Spawn was kind of mainstream, but it was still dark. 
And uh, so I got into that, and uh, I got into Marvel Zombies and stuff, and then I started getting into horror comics and whatnot because they started making, you know, uh, everybody started making comic books based off of movies, but just doing different storylines. And so I got into those. Uh, I got into, I really got into Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Oh, I love uh, that comic. Yeah, that, that one was fucking great. I have the uh, hardback edition of that. It's very nice. Nice. Hell yeah, I really got into that, and then uh, obviously I got into the cartoon Invader Zim. Um, but you know, those were the things that I got into. I got into Lady Death, and I got into Evil Ernie, and 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 all the rest of those. I got into the ones that were that were the darker and the meaner. You know, that had a lot of blood and guts and stuff. And then later on, when the movies started coming out from all the comic books, uh, from the mainstream comic books, like X-Men and Spider-Man and stuff, that's when I really started getting into those. And I, I wanted to learn the backstories, and I wanted to learn the details and stuff like that. And um, I got into uh, Hellblazer, which was the one that Constantine was based off of, because I still always had my love for the darker comics, and that one's really good. Um, but the grand thing about when I started getting into them is when, you know, graphic novels started becoming a major thing. So then you could start getting essentials of all these older comics that you want to read and you could get them all in one fucking book, you know, like, uh, the essential Wolverine, you know, you could get those and you could get the essential X-Men and, uh, you know, I've got, uh, for Christmas this year, I got, uh, the essential predator and the essential aliens. I got nice. those. That's dark force, isn't it? Yeah, I got both of those. I actually uh, pre-ordered the Predator one. And then when we were in Barnes & Noble one day, I said something to Nikki. I was just like, man, it'd be awesome to have this fucking alien one. And she actually got it for me for Christmas. So I got, on Christmas Eve, my uh, Predator one came in. And then the very next day, on Christmas Day, she gave me the alien one. So I got Predator and Alien. Nice. Uh, yeah, so I got into that. And I've got a graphic novel uh, for From Hell. Uh, that movie, the graphic novel that one was based off of, and then uh, I started getting into some other ones, and I really want to go back and read the Ninja Turtle ones. Um, uh, so-, so Ninja Turtles recently restarted, and it's really good because it's not a remake. It's actually like uh, the opening, the very first issue. They're like, oh, we've been reincarnated. And so it is the original Turtles in a new storyline, basically starting over, but they are still it's like you know what i mean so it's kind of cool that way yeah i mean so i, I want to get into those but that's the thing about it you know like i got into uh you know most of my comic book reading started from was started from a movie and then went from there you know like I, I i wanted to check out the comic books for jonah hex when the jonah hex movie came out because i was just like okay well the comic books have definitely got to be better than this and so you know, I started reading the Jonah Hex ones, and then uh, I got into those. And then, like I said, I mean, it's just it's just one after the other. And then that one would lead into something else that I really, really fucking liked. And then that one would lead into something else because I'd start looking at all this other weird, creepy shit that you know, uh, like Witchblade and fucking stuff like that. You know, those. <laughs> Do are... you remember the Witchblade live action show? Yes, unfortunately. Oh <laughs> uh, shit! But yeah, yeah I'm really gonna keep cool. interrupting you dark shit the hellboy ones are really fucking good but you have to google so much shit because it's so deep in occult shit that you constantly have to like look up what the fuck this is i can i can imagine you know it's like what we talked about before when uh this isn't comic book related but it's like what we talked about before when you're watching supernatural 
there's so much shit that's yeah. based in real fucking occultism in that show. And so, I mean, I, I love when, when mediums like that really do their homework when they're writing the comics or they're writing the movies or stuff like that. When they really dive into it, I love that kind of thing. Because when it's based that deep in realism, it makes it that much better. So, yeah. but that's what I that's what I always look for in the comics, and then and and then it 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 even went that way when I started, you know, branching off into adult cartoons and shit like that, man. Where it was like, you know, when I was as a matter of fact, I think the first conversations that Jerry and I ever had about like anime and stuff, you know, it, it went into dark shit there too. Yeah, but and we're about to get into that, but before we do. We are giving you song number two, Run From the Hills by Iron Maiden. This is Jay's choice. So uh, here you go. Don't run from this podcast. Uh, or run back to us after <laughs> Iron Maiden. I don't know. I'm not good at this thing. I don't even know why you people listen. So here you go. Uh, enjoy some Iron Maiden. Game. 
right, so that was Iron Maiden. I'm clad in leather, and I'm uh, pretending Clive Barker is whipping me. Um, so that the, might actually happen in a few weeks, bro. It might. We'll see what happens. All right. I'm so excited. So, so now we're going to talk video games. Now, we already had an episode where we talked to video games, um, but this will give us an opportunity to talk about some non-horror video games, if we so choose. Um, so the video game I brought up is my favorite video game of all time, and that is... Final Fantasy VI, or how we had it in the U.S., Final Fantasy III for the Super Nintendo from 1994. I adore this game. Uh, I love turn-based JRPGs, and to me, the story of this game is one of the greatest stories I've ever gone through uh, with anything. Um, You are, you find yourself um, with this girl named Tara. Uh, She has lost her memory, and comes to find out that she can use magic in a world where it's magic is not really used unless you can find magicite, which goes into a whole other thing. Well, the emperor is going around and trying to take uh, espers because inside the espers are these things that he can turn into magicite. And uh, through doing that, he's doing some fucked up shit, you know, tyranny kind of stuff. And there's a group called the Returners that Terra ends up hooking up with. Uh, and then you basically find out there's this fucking evil clown named Kefka who's really the one that's fucking up everything because he's fucking insane. He literally poisons a fucking town for the fuck of Yeah, it. he does. He is fucking evil. He is... Fu- he makes fucking Pennywise look like a bitch. Um, but anyway, there's all these really good fucking <laughs> characters. My favorite character is Locke, who's a thief. Uh, he's the main reason why anytime I play an RPG, JRPG, if you get to choose a class, whoever I consider myself me is going to be a goddamn thief. Every single My time. My favorite character is Sabin because he's basically Goku. Yeah, yeah, he's ba- he he's well, technically he's he's done after Street Fighter Two, is what he's really done after. Yeah, he but literally he has a fucking spirit bomb. Okay? Inputs. Yeah, he can <laughs> suplex a phantom train. Yeah, he can. Okay. Not only is it a ghost, but it's a full-on train, and he's just like, kabam, you're dead. Yeah, it's fucking brutal. Uh, but it's it's just such a fucking beautiful game. Uh, it has everything you would ever need in it, and it's just one of those games that I fucking adore, and I don't really get a chance to talk about it as much as I would like, so if you're ever in the mood to play one of the greatest games to ever grace the 16-bit era... You should for sure check out Final Fantasy uh, 3 slash 6, depending on what country you are in. Uh, Jay, what do you got? Uh, So we're just talking about a single video game, or do you want, like, my whole history? Uh, I mean, you can go either way. (laughs) I was just doing, like, the greatest game of all time. Okay, so I do agree that that is the best RPG of all time. It is not my favorite game of all time. My favorite game of all time is Mega Man 2. Mega Man being my favorite game series of all time. Uh, Now, I got my Nintendo, uh, my original Nintendo, as a Christmas gift from my mom. My cousins got one the same year. Um, It was the standard Mario Duck Hunt, two controllers and a gun set. and I would spend a lot of my weekends renting Nintendo tapes, as my mom called them, uh, from the video store, uh, along with horror movies. So it was a good good weekend, usually. And of course, uh, back then, with 
such limited access to games because I got two new games a year if I was lucky. One on my birthday, one at Christmas because they were so fucking expensive. Um, oh, I got tons of games. So, I had this uncle that if I played this uh, turn off the lights <laughs> game in the closet, he'd always oh, give me a video Jesus. game. It was amazing. Oh, Lordy. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have that kind of uncle. I mean, we played uh, we played Zelda together, but uh, that was legitimately Zelda. There was no turning off the lights. Um, so a lot of the games I rented, and um, I want to say that Mega Man 2, I can't remember if I actually owned it or not, but either way, I was super into Mega Man 2, um, and I got really, really good at it because back then you just played the games you had over and over again. And so I got really, really good at Mega Man 2, where I could run through the whole thing, no problem. Um, and I've just always, I've always loved the good mix of difficulty, the cool boss design, the ability to take their powers was, uh, you know, different for the time. The music is so memorable. And while I enjoy pretty much all the games in the series, I mean, 8 is kind of usually universally agreed on of being the worst, but... While I enjoy all the games in the series, 2 will always be the one I played the most. It's, I'm 90% sure it was the first one, and I ended up playing Mega Man 1 after. Um, but I just have such fond memories of that game. Uh, and I actually have a copy now that is signed by both the creator of the series, uh, Inafune, and the man who did the North American uh, box-slash-cartridge art uh, Mark Erickson, uh, who actually doesn't play games at all. He's just an artist. Uh, so I have both of their signatures on a copy of Mega Man 2, and I keep it in a shadow box, and it's one of my most prized possessions because I think that's pretty damn cool. But yeah, so Mega Man 2, that's my uh, that's the game that I'm bringing up and talking about. Mega Man 2 is the best Mega Man game, hands down. has the best soundtrack. I'll give it to you. Uh, I was actually watching a video by... Um, stop skeletons from fighting and he was talking about how important the ending of Mega Man 2 is but um the the cooler another cool thing to talk about in the video is how uh the first Mega Man game didn't even sell that well so that the team that created Mega Man 2 did it in their off time they Capcom was like you can make a Mega Man 2 if you want but you it's got to be on your own time like, we're trying to make games that sell here. So they did, and that's why the ending of Mega Man 2 is so, like, kind of downbeat and lonely. Um, because they didn't think they'd be able to make another one. But Mega Man 2 was such a surprise hit that they got to continue uh, the next one, Mega Man 3. They were they could make, Capcom was like, okay, you can make Mega Man games. So, fun side note, your favorite Mega Man game almost was not made and it was only made out of the pure love that the people had for uh, the game. Well, thank God for that. Yeah, fucking beautiful. Uh, Kenneth, what do you got video game-wise? I got a lot. No. Um, well, first uh, there was uh, Pong. And, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, the unfortunate thing is that I am old enough to remember that. Um, you know... I could sit here and I could talk about Silent Hill like I did before. You know, Silent Hill was a great game, and it's you know one of my favorite games. It's probably it's my favorite game of all time. But I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about one of the games that I have 
some of the most fond memories of my childhood. And that's Wizards and Warriors. Oh, yeah. I remember as a kid, you know, I got my Nintendo and, you know, Mario and all and, and that or whatever. And we had went to the rental store and my dad was like, why don't you get something that's a little different or something like that? And he had picked up the picked up Wizards and Warriors and he was just like, why don't you try this one? And I was like, okay. And so took it home and sat there and I actually got to sit and play that game with my dad. And we played, we played that game, loved playing that game. And that ended up leading us to play in the second one, you know, and, uh, we didn't, we didn't get to spend as much time with the third one, but, uh, you know, Wizards and Warriors was a game that I can, I can really attribute a lot of really great times as a child. You know, just sitting there and chilling with my dad, and it was just me and him because my Nintendo and my TV was in my room. So dad would come in there, and we'd both sit down on the bed, and we would just sit and we would play this game. You know, and and when I got tired of playing or something like that, and I, and you know, as most kids do, you know, your your parents can stay up through all hours of the night, but eventually you're gonna you're gonna pass out. And I remember falling asleep, and I would wake up, and I would still see my dad sitting there playing the game. And stuff like that. It, it was really, really cool because I didn't get to see my dad a lot growing up because he worked all the fucking time. And so when dad was there on the weekends and we got to do something together, it, it, it was it was really, 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 really special to me. So Wizards and Warriors was probably one of the games that I have the most fond memories of. Yeah, and I actually remember uh, when Kenneth found out that I collected Nintendo games back in the day, one of the first games he asked if I had, he was like, you got Wizards and Warriors? Yeah, man. So. And so, and Jerry actually gave me those when, when he decided to uh, decided to get rid of his um, his uh, retro game collection. He hooked me up with those, which is really cool. Yeah, I uh, I also rented Wizards and Warriors, and let me tell you about the misleading cover art on that game. <laughs> <laughs> you got because home and was pissed it wasn't gay porn. A little bit. Well, so like, I. I just remember the cover being way cooler. That like the game is good. Once I got over that, uh, I was uh, was really enjoying the game. But the cover is this fucking badass, like Conan style dude slashing at these monsters, and I'm like, okay, this game's gonna be fucking dope. And then I turn it on, and it's this weird looking like knight in full armor, and he like swings his sword like it's a fucking poodle. like it's his penis he, it's yeah like, you know, let me stab you with my fucking like, sword dick yeah what the fuck this is not what i signed up for uh but then the gameplay ends up being pretty fun and the challenge of actually beating the stages and figuring out how to beat the stages because it doesn't really tell you is yeah, like that like that first one when you start in the forest you know what i'm saying you're there and you got to find all the keys and stuff and whatnot but it gets even more frustrating the further you get in it you know, like like you're especially trying to find those damn keys and stuff like that. And then you got to have, believe it or not, you got to have strategy to start getting the bosses. And then when you fight the wizard at the end of it, it's just, it's it's a motherfucker, you know. And it's even worse on the second one. Should have just played Jaws for the NES like I did. Oh yeah, let me tell you about it. I love playing that. Shoot that game. fucking shark in the face. Um. All right. Yeah, so there's a uh, what. If you can get them to show up. Oh, I get them to show up. I get all of the sharks to come to the yard. 
All the sharks want some of daddy's dick. I got really weird. Um, speaking of weird, uh, we are going to uh, take another break. You are going to hear the shortest song of the night, my song, Romeo Will Go Go By Every Time I Die. I apologize in advance if this is too punk and too chaotic for you. Um, but uh, it's amazing, and I don't care what you think. So we will be right back. The song's only like two and a half minutes long. And we'll get into our last topic uh, before we move on to cover uh, the first episode of Berserk. So we'll see y'all here in a minute. enjoyed that beautiful beautiful uh sound of keith buckley wailing on the vocals and the guitar shredding every ounce of indistinguishable pain and love you have anyway so next we're going into anime um something our generation really got to experience that others before didn't is anime it started showing up on our TVs. It started showing up at our rental stores. It is something that uh, was... It was fucking cartoons, but it was, like, way fucking cooler. Like, it was edgier. It was more dangerous. It was, it was 
a little different. Um, so we're going to talk about some of our favorite uh, anime. Now, we've done an anime episode. We've done two anime episodes. Um, so you can check that out if you want to hear about uh, Perfect Blue, Wicked City, and uh, the two Vampire Hunter D movies. Um, yeah. But uh, originally I was going to do Berserk. But I can't do Berserk because we're going to talk about Berserk uh, on ongoing episodes. Uh, but Berserk is my all-time favorite. But since I can't choose that, I'm going to choose the most depressing thing I can. Neon Genesis Ooh. Evangelion. Yes. Uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion is... Uh, so here's what happens. You know, you have a fucking planet Earth, right? Uh, then a all fucking s- robot, Shinji. Uh, not yet. First, uh, <laughs> there's a calamity on Earth, uh, and we get the third impact... And there's a big explosion and Earth gets pretty fucked up. You know, Neo Tokyo's fucking gone. Uh, many places are fucked up. So the world gets together. They kind of find uh, these this giant angel body of Lilith. And they find, like, the Lance of Longinus and shit. But then these angels, these giant monsters, start fucking attacking us. Well, how do you deal with that? Well, you fucking build giant mecha robots and put 14 year old children in them and have them fight the fucking angels makes perfect sense jay now you can say it getting the fucking robots shinji exactly your ava pilots are shinji akari the father of gendo akari <coughs> who makes me cough um who runs nerve which are the people behind the Avas, and who are also behind the Human Instrumentality Project, which I'm not even fucking go into. Uh, and then you also have Oscar Langley Saru, who is from Germany. She's a badass. She don't give a fuck what you think. Don't talk about her goddamn mom. Uh, and then you also have um, Ray Ayanami, who is super mysterious. And she's got red eyes and blue hair. And a thing for older guys. Um, and you think, uh, the show is just about, you know, giant robots fighting monsters, but then it turns into this whole fucking thing about the mental state of human beings, and there's all this, like, religious shit in there, and, uh, about bringing on the destruction of humanity and shit, and it's, it's just, it's fucking crazy, it's intense, the ending of it is... Super depressing. It has this huge tonal shift towards the end. It's fantastic. Uh, if that's too depressing, there there are other things you can watch. But the one out of the many I could have chose because I almost did Trigun also because I fucking love Trigun. But I oh, decided God, so good. I decided to go with Neon Genesis Evangelion. So one you should definitely check out. It's coming to Netflix this year. So when it does, check it out. It, it is definitely worth your fucking time. Uh, Jay, what do you got? All right, so uh, my favorite anime is a little cliche, but it's just because of sentimental and nostalgic reasons. My favorite anime is Dragon Ball Z. Now, it being my favorite does not blind me to its faults. It has a very formulaic uh, layout. Bad guy shows up, good guy loses, good guy trains, good guy wins. Bad guy shows up, good guy loses. Somebody dies, somebody gets wished back to life. It's very formulaic. Uh, only one show. character actually has any kind of fucking character development um, past, like, the first arc. Um, I like Piccolo. Piccolo has a little bit in the first arc. To be uh, fair, most Vegeta. of Piccolo's development happened in Dragon Ball. 
That's also true. But he has even more in the first little bit of Arca Z where he goes from fuck this to all right, I'll take care of your kid. And then it becomes Gohan's dad because that's how real life works. Yeah, because Goku is a piece of shit. Yes. Uh, Vegeta, however, has continual improvement and character development and is easily the best character in the show. It's my favorite. Um, I'm a Future Trunks guy myself. but Future uh, Trunks is good. Yes, Vegeta is, no, there's is no, amazing. No development for him. I, I, I disagree with you there. He uh, ha- he has actual father issues that they actually do work on, unlike Gohan. I guess that's true. I guess um, that's true. And he, uh, he, while he's only in a small part, he has one of the best storylines in the series for being so small. His storyline is good, and the history of Trunks is uh, one of the few movies that is actually canon. Um, yep. So that's a that's a plus. Uh, but so this is one of the very first animes that I actually watched, and I'm not talking like Pokemon because I watched Pokemon. I'm not. Ta- I'm talking about like full on anime. I actually watched the very Dragon first Ball Z before Pokemon. So I I did as well, but it was when I believe USA had the rights to it, and I had only gotten to see like three or four episodes, and I could never find it again. I don't remember what happened, but I could not find it again. I wasn't into anime yet so i wasn't aware of like the ability to purchase the the vhs's um and so i got reintroduced to dragon ball z when i rented a cassette from fucking blockbuster and it was the middle of the frieza saga oh right so you after weren't Goku. watching it on toonami no, no no i was and that's Eventually. where i first got introduced to <laughs> toonami so so i had rented this um it was right in the middle of the Frieza saga, right after Goku wakes up from uh, um, being damaged and he goes to fight Jason Birder. And, uh, mm-hmm. Or when he first gets to the planet, sorry, not waking up. And he goes to fight Jason Birder. And he's just standing there and they're like flying through him. And then they're like, oh, he's moving so fast that we can't even, like, it just looks like he's standing still. And so, me not having seen the other rest of the series yet. I was, like, so blown away by that concept. I was like, holy shit, that's fucking awesome. And because it was all action-oriented episodes, I was just hooked immediately. And then, <laughs> later on, I discovered it on Toonami and was able to watch the entire thing. And I just, I absolutely remember watching the new, quote-unquote, episodes every single week and being mad when they kept re-airing the Cell Saga because we were waiting for the Boo Saga to be translated and brought over uh, and put on Toonami. Um but since then, I've I've rewatched the entire thing on DVD, uh, and then this for Christmas, my mom actually got me the Amazon exclusive uh, full series box set. Uh, so I have it all on Blu-ray now, and I do plan on giving it another rewatch, all 281 episodes of it, or however many there are. Um, but yeah, just despite its flaws, the comedy is usually pretty solid. The action, even though it's predictable is super entertaining the animation is usually smooth um it's not the best anime out there but it is just it holds such a special place in my heart for being one of the first ones that i ever like dedicated time to and of course through toonami i discovered other animes and then adult swim and then eventually i just started uh, for for there was a good couple of years where i was just living off of fan subs uh before things like crunchyroll became the norm uh, where fans would get the episodes from Japan. 
I, I didn't even understand how this was possible. They get the episodes from Japan, then they would subtitle it themselves and put them on the internet. I actually watched all of Naruto, Naruto, before it ever got to America because I was so into fan subs at the time. Or not all of it. Uh, I think it, it started airing in America around the time uh, Naruto and Sasuke had their big fight at the waterfall. Um, Sorry, but, I've, t- I've touched a woman, so I never watched Naruto. It's not bad. Calm down. Um, <laughs> I think I, I can honestly say I maybe How is have it garbage? Only, I've watched like fucking 15 minutes of Naruto. Wait, wait, why do you think it's garbage? It's just not good. Like it's same with Bleach. I watched the first season of Bleach. It was just not so good. terrible. I could Bleach not get into Bleach. Terrible. Yeah, and I could get into Naruto. It was to me it was the same thing as Dragon Ball Z except lame. I think That's I was fair. too old for Naruto at that point. Like I it worked for Dragon Ball Z because I was young. I fell in love with it when I was young. So now I can watch it back with nostalgia glasses on. Just like the kids who later on are going to, you know, watch Naruto with nostalgia glasses on and be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I can now look back and go, yeah, Goku's a piece of shit. But when I was a kid, you know, Goku was cool. He was never my favorite, but, like, I, you know, I didn't think he was a piece of shit. That's fair. Yeah, looking back on it now, you're right. <clears throat> Goku's totally a piece of shit. He's a horrible father. He's That's a horrible... He's, he's never kissed father. Chi-Chi. No, How do you have a fucking wife and never kissed her? Maybe he just didn't want to get that intimate. He fucked her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not intimate. You know. Right. That's why you I, won't look me in the eyes. Hey, man, I'll be 100% honest with you. If it's if it's the difference between, damn, somebody that I'm, you know, uh, uh, romantically in, in involved with and somebody that I'm just wanting to fuck, I don't kiss them. Oh, I, I kiss them. Kissing. I fucking make I them look me in the eyes as I I'll just kiss fucking. Strangers. I don't care. I love kissing. I jab their my tongue I in their fucking nostril. La, 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 la. I'll kiss you. I don't care. Jerry has. I might as well get one from you too. Uh, hell yeah. Yeah. Take my <laughs> sloppy <laughs> seconds. Take, take a fucking picture and send it to my wife. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> Dudes with yeah. nudes. Yeah, she needs yeah. to send us a video of the aftermath of that. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't think it'll be the response you want. Yeah. But right. anyway, yeah, so I watched a ton of series through fan subs. Um, a buddy of mine uh, at the time had just lived off of anime, and he bought all kinds of series. I, I actually borrowed Neon Genesis from him. I borrowed Trigun from him. Um, fucking Gantz. Uh, all kinds of shit. And then, of course, that led to hentai, and now I'm the fucked up person you know today. Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> fucked up people, Kenneth. Uh, well, I mean, my first uh, my first um, introduction to anything that was anime related was Thundercats. You know, I was into that when I was a kid. I fucking loved Thundercats. That intro was so much better than the animation in the series. Well, you can say the same thing about Ninja Turtles too. Yep. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, I I really really loved Thundercats, and and you can't say that completely for Thundercats because like the transformation of Mumra. You know, to his to his evolved form, that that transformation was really badass. You know, and uh, always when they when they, uh, you know, they uh, they come out. You know, when Panthro would come flying out in the in the fucking uh, the thunder the thunder tank and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? That was always really really badass to me. So, and I had the I had the lair and all the cats and stuff when I was a kid. 
So uh, Thundercats was my first, but then I really didn't get anything major after that because, like Jerry was saying, shit like that just wasn't available when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the only thing that even came close to it was Thundercats. And um, so then later on, uh, you know, I had I had met Shane, the guy that really was a big influence on my guitar playing. I had met him. And uh, I had caught episodes of Dragon Ball Z and shit like that, you know, on Toonami, hanging out with my buddies and stuff, you know, but I never really was majorly into it. And then uh, Shane got me into Record of Lotus Wars. And I, I I really, really enjoyed it. And Shane was, you know, Shane was like a fucking six foot seven fucking nerd that played heavy metal. I mean, you know, he, he was this dude that was extremely intimidating. But but like I said, once you get to know him, he was just a big old nerd. And uh so it was through Shane that I really started getting, you know, versed in it. Cause like I said, he, he sat me down with record of Lotus Wars, Vampire Hunter D, um, you know, shit like that. A lot of your, uh, major ones. And then I started later on, I met Jerry and Jerry, you know, we had, we had talked about things like Gortai and Hentai and shit like that. And, uh, I had seen, I really started getting into the violent animes, you know, uh, I really, really like Ninja Scroll. Oh, Ninja Scroll. Yeah, it's so good, and I, I got into that and Wicked City and uh, some of the other ones that I got, and then you know, uh, getting into the hentai stuff like Baba Black and uh, La Blue Girl. <laughs> and, and, that's such a picture I saw of the dude with a shirt that says, "I watched Bible Black for the story." <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. The and, problem and, is, is Kenneth actually does watch it for the story. Hey, sometimes, man. I mean, after I can only jerk my dick so much to where it just gets raw and I just can't do it no more. So I might as well watch the fucking story until it heals up a little bit and I can jerk my dick again. Um, but I mean, I would have to say probably the most life changing one for me was probably Perfect Blue. Perfect Blue was the anime that really showed me that it wasn't all about gratuitous violence in these shows. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There were other, like record of Lotus Wars had a great fucking story. I mean, it was a great fantasy and it, it had an awesome story. And then dragon ball Z, you know, uh, it was a very, very long winded story. Cause don't get me wrong. I love dragon ball, but there's just sometimes where it's just like you watch six or seven episodes and nothing fucking happens except for these people talking to each other. Well, yeah, they tell each other how they reach the new plateau levels and like, Oh, how did yeah. you do that? I mean, it's like like I was watching it earlier today, I, you know, because I signed up. It's it's kind of ironic. I signed up for the the Funimation, Funimation? app. So, it's yeah. good, yeah. Yeah, I started watching Dragon Ball Z again today, and I'm just like, my God, man! How how many times are they going to flash between Piccolo, Goku, Raditz, Piccolo, Goku, Raditz? One's getting stronger. One's getting stronger. Raditz can't believe that this one's getting stronger and this one's getting stronger. Oh my God! Raditz can't believe how fucking strong Gohan's getting back there. And I'm like. <laughs> Hey, Gohan, what's uh, going on back there? And, yeah, and this goes on for the whole fucking episode. Oh, Nothing okay. happens except for, and then, oh, wait, 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 I take that back. Then they'll flash to Chi-Chi wanting to know where the fuck Gohan and Goku are. <laughs> and then it'll go back to Piccolo and fucking Goku, you know? So it's like, you know, I'm sitting there watching for 25 fucking minutes of this shit, and I'm like, okay, is uh, is Dragon Ball Z Kai available on here? <laughs> I mean, I but, do want to get all of Kai simply so I can see the extra animations because they redrew some of the scenes. Yeah, I right. will say I watched all of Kai. Um, well, I haven't seen the boo part of Kai, but I've seen all the way the through. The, I, I've seen all the way to Cell, and it's really good. 
Um, and I will also have say, first. if you have never watched Dragon Ball, you should actually watch all of Dragon Ball because it's a really just fun series. Yeah, Dragon I would Ball say is it's a... better written than Dragon Ball Z is. Well, that's because it's the guy knows where he's going. He doesn't have to deal with power ceilings. Like he fucking he wrote wrote himself into a corner. Like after the fucking Saiyan arc, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. So I mean, but but you know, I'd probably have to say Perfect Blue was it. That was the one that really showed me, you know, that the this animation could really take it to another level. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like Perfect Blue. You know, we've done an episode on it. It wasn't. It wasn't this action-oriented movie. It was it it was dramatic and psychological and stuff like that. And so, you know, it it, it definitely opened the door for me to look for other things. And then on top of that, I mean, you can't you can't forget about one of the classic animes that just about everybody fucking knows. Goddamn, Akira was goddamn amazing. And it is 2019, which is the year Akira takes place in. Sweet. That I mean that 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 was another one right there. When I first saw Akira, that blew that fucking movie blew me away. Yeah, Akira is like, one of the greatest anime movies ever made. It changed the animation industry completely. It it it's fucking amazing. I finally sat down and read the manga, and the manga's fucking insane. Right, and is so, the manga like twelve com- volumes long or something uh, ridiculous? Six volumes long. Um, and it's completely different than the movie. But I can honestly say that I am, you know, because Jay's not much younger than me, but I can honestly say to be at the age that I am, I, I, I am looking around at some of the people that I know. I am very glad that I was introduced to Japanese animation. I am very, very me happy too. about it. Because... There, it, it, it's a it's a whole completely new avenue of amazing things, and 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 that opened me up. Paying attention to that opened me up to paying attention to where some of my favorite video games came from, and then later on, when when not only anime but movies, you know what I'm saying? Like like some of the best fucking martial arts movies that me and Jay fucking love come from these countries overseas that we never really paid attention to. And I think that anime coming from Japan was an avenue for all of these things really hitting the mainstream. You know what I'm saying? Like having, you know, an abundance of, of animation or an abundance of these martial arts movies and stuff like that. I mean, I think that once all that hit at one time, I think that's really where the avenue came from, and I really, really, am, I'm, I'm very appreciative that it did because it definitely broadens the horizon of of that entertainment genre. Sometimes it takes something mainstream to get somebody like I was never really into martial arts movies until Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out. I went to go Great see that film. in the theater. I read the subtitles, and I was the first time that I had ever experienced wire work of any kind. And after that, I just started eating up everything. Uh, Iron Monkey, and then mm-hmm. uh, the old Jet Li movies, Once Upon a Time in China. And, <laughs> I've got uh, all of those. I actually picked up uh, Legend, well, they're over here, because after Jet Li became really big, they started releasing his older movies over here, sometimes the newer titles. Uh, so I have Legend 1 and 2, the Jet Li movies that I found at a fucking pawn shop. Uh, 
those are fantastic movies. I don't remember. Uh, Feng Saiyuk is their is their actual name. Feng Saiyuk one and two. Nice. Uh, but he called him Legend over here. I think. Did you see House of the Flying Daggers? Yes, I went to go see that in the theaters too. I just started so eating up martial arts movies. Um, and then at one point there was a kiosk in the mall that it opened up, and it was nothing but uh, imported movies. Uh, that would play in any player over here, and sometimes even bootlegs of old martial arts. And I would fucking drop so much money at that place because I was living with my mom and had a job, so no rent. Uh, yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say we had something similar to the kiosk. It was the uh, it was the bootleg guy that set up his uh, his little thing in the middle of the mall, and he. Well, yeah, he like when I say kiosk, I mean like a like a like a hut, like not a storefront, but like one of those middle of the the walkway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the same thing. I bought a couple of bootleg, bootleg animes on that guy, and and several fucking martial arts movies. So, and 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 the funny thing about, I think I've still got a couple of the cases too, where you can pull out the slip sleeve on the inside of it, and it's fucking basically just from a printer, so you can see where it's all faded. <laughs> yeah, it's so great, man. All right. Well, speaking of uh, great and anime. We are going to take one more break where I'm going to play the intro to Berserk. And then we are going to get into episode one of Berserk before we close this out. So we will be right back. Is the destiny of mankind controlled by some transcendental entity or law? Is it like the hand of God hovering above? At least it is true that man has no control, even over his own will. Berserk is an anime series that came out in 1997. It's based off a manga called Berserk also. Um, the manga is still running to this day, but unfortunately, we maybe get two to three chapters a year now, um, which a chapter is usually only like 10 pages. So it's not not a lot. We're struggling pretty hard waiting on those because the author likes to get addicted to uh, idle games. Uh, it's a problem. Really? Yes, he gets addicted to fucking, fucking phone. Yeah, he gets addicted to fucking idle games. Oh, dude, when the idle games were dropping hardcore on PS2, fucking, we just started losing where we'd go months without anything. <laughs> and ever since then, it's, it's fucking been like that. It's uh, it's it's fucking harsh. So, uh, what is 
Berserk. Well, Berserk is a dark fantasy series that is about a mercenary group called the Band of the Hawk, which is led by Griffith. And our main character's name is Guts, and it's about him uh, meeting up with the Band of the Hawk and Griffith, and Griffith's dream to one day own a kingdom. So we start today with episode one. Um, Now, for... They don't really... Like, they do have episode names, so... But no one really cares anymore. But the first episode is called The Black Swordsman. So basically we start off with uh, a bar setting. With racism. uh, (laughs) Sexism. And uh, exorcisms. And jism. So a girl is being assaulted in a bar. By these guys. Uh, And keep in mind this is medieval. So this shit just happens and people let it. Well uh, next thing you know. One of the guys uh, assaulting the woman. Gets a fucking arrow through the head. And then this big tall motherfucker walks in there. And this is Guts. And fucking Guts. One of the fucking guys that was assaulting the girls. He starts popping off the mouth. Guts throws a fucking dagger into him. And then tells him. Says tell your master. The black swordsman is coming. That the black swordsman is here. Uh, So then a guy tries to attack Guts. And we see Guts take out his giant fucking dragon slayer sword and <laughs> cut him in half. And I mean, this sword is fucking huge. Um, the, the, I thought you were finished that. You we, know we what I love about his, take out his sword? Okay, but I love that, unlike other video games and anime, he doesn't have the huge sword just as an aesthetic choice. There is a story behind it, which we'll go into in further episodes. Uh, but I've I just I love that about this that it's not just the artist was like my guy's gonna have a cool sword like with Cloud like there's an actual explanation for why he has this giant sword and how he's able to use it and I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So then we find uh, the the town's priest uh, then goes and tells the Baron what's going on and we meet the Baron who's this very vampire looking motherfucker. And, uh, the Baron then starts, you know, doing his speech about how he, he loves to hear humans scream and how he's basically set fire while he's having this conversation. We jump back to Guts, who's hiding out in the forest, but as nighttime comes, this scar, this brand that he has on his neck starts bleeding and all these dark spirits and ghosts start attacking him. Uh, we then go back to the vampire Baron guy uh caressing this gold uh snake armor he has and basically tells the priest he's going to burn the fucking village down and kill people because the black swordman is here he then uh does exactly that next thing we know he's got the priest held up by a giant fucking spike and he's burning the village and he's in his snake armor and uh he's going to town and join it but of course gut shows up and a battle ensues uh, with Guts, you know, being his ass butt. We then see that this uh, Baird is an apostle. And he turns into a giant fucking snake monster that looks amazing. Holy shit, does it look good. Um, yeah, it does. The animation in this show is fucking beautiful. Yeah, like it is. It does have cheaper animation where it does a lot of like still shots 
um, whether still shots just move or have uh, music playing or something like that or telling a story. But you know what? That's way fucking better than the Berserk 2016 CGI fucking uh, <laughs> anime. I don't even so garbage. Does it go? It goes further than the original anime, right? Story-wise, the new CG one. Uh, yes, it actually starts at the end of this anime. So I really want to watch it because of the story, but I really hate the animation. Yeah. So I mean, the manga is always there for you. <clears throat> so, but anyway, <clears throat> so uh, they end up fighting. The uh, Baron is kicking Guts' ass and talking about how no mere human can destroy him. But then what he doesn't know is that uh, Guts' arm has a fucking cannon in it. And he (laughs) blows through fucking snakes half of his fucking face. Uh, He then, uh, Guts then starts shooting arrows into his face while he tells him that, uh, oh, I thought a human couldn't do this. Well, look at this. This human's doing it to you. He kills him and he takes the Baron. Baylet that was hanging around the Baron's neck. Um, and then it jumps back to the past where we go back to Guts as a teenager uh, as he's about to fight the Great Knight Bazuzu. And then that is the end of the episode. So with that recap of the episode, uh, let's now go to Kenneth who is... he He's the reason we're doing this. He's never seen Berserk. And Jay and I love Berserk. And we wanted him to watch it and go through and tell us his experience as he watches it. Uh, So he's going to posture questions that he's going to have that he'll get answers obviously later on. um, And we'll help him where we can, but there's going to be sometimes we can't. So hopefully you're watching it. You can watch this entire series on YouTube if you want. So it's out there for you. But Kenneth, what were your first, uh, what did you think of the first episode? Um, I thought it was really good. Um, I hate the fact that it wasn't more informative and it, and the biggest irritation that I've got at this current moment is the fact that I'm having to wait episode by episode (laughs) to watch this fucking show because I just decided one night that I was going to watch the first one. And then that led into, you know, us doing it here and I was going to get started, go into the next one and the next one. And then Jerry's just like, no, wait, we're going to do, we're going to do a show on it episode by episode. So you might not want to go forward. And I'm like, well, fuck, you know, because it's like you get this really amazing animation and, and the thing with the snake monster and whatever. And you're like, it's like you're watching the end of what's the end of a movie first. And, and so I've got I, I'm watching this shit going on. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You know, because you got this real big fucker with only one eye and no patch over the fucking eye, which is irritating. And 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 and, and this giant fucking sword that you know is, is you know it's not supposed to mean anything phallic. No, not at all. And uh, he's just got this giant fucking sword. He needs and the he, big sword to kill the big snake snake. And he fucking goddamn goes to fighting this giant fucking snake and and this dick of a guy that's just like, you know, yeah, uh, all humans are pussies. And, and then he gets his ass whooped, and I'm like, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, this looks fucking great. I don't know what the fuck is going on, but it looks goddamn great. And and, and, and so that was, that, that was probably my biggest issue. It's just like, I really want to know what the fuck is going on. And now since we're doing this one, I can go ahead and watch the second episode. And, 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 you know, it's hard enough when you're watching something that goes episode by episode to wait a week to watch the next episode. This has been damn near a month. So here's what I'm thinking to solve this. Um, I I think we'll probably end up doing a couple of episodes uh, at a time. 
Uh, we'll do like two or three episodes at a time because obviously there's not until we get later on where it gets like really deep. Um, so like um, probably not on horror coliseum episodes, but um, on the regular standard shows. What we'll do is at the end of it, we will do the berserk uh, part and we'll do like two or three episodes at a time, whatever we have agreed on uh, beforehand. Oh, okay, cool. And then, and then what the fuck ever is going on with this dude's neck? You know, I'm just like, okay, there's this really cool symbol that's like bulging out of this guy's neck. And, and from the things that I've heard about this show, I'm just like, okay, is this dude fucking fixing to hulk it up and go ape shit? And it doesn't happen. And I'm like, well, fuck. Yeah. So, I, I, I can't wait. I remember the first time I watched it, uh, my buddy uh, – John set me down. He was like, you have to watch Berserk. It's fucking amazing. I was like, all right. He set me down. And after the first episode, I was like, dude, there are fucking giant monsters in every episode. And he was like, well, no, but just watch. You just have to watch. And I did. And I was blown away. I immediately started reading the manga. I, I read every chapter that comes out. Um, I've sat through watching the shitty time. CG fucking Berserk. <laughs> I think the first time that I ever heard of this was through Shane. I'd never seen it, but I heard of it. And I think that he had them and was watching them, some kind of DVD box set that he had or something. And, uh, you know, because this was before you could find whatever the fuck you wanted on the internet. And uh, I think I'd heard about it through him, but that was about as far as it went. So I knew it existed. And he was probably the person where I heard some of the details about it. But... Uh, it, it looks like it's going to be interesting. It's like the, the I remember, it, it's kind of like the first time that I fucking ever heard of and saw Helsing. You know, and and that was one that I didn't bring up, that I didn't even bring up in the, uh, when we were talking about anime earlier. And that fucking series was goddamn amazing. Um, but I think it was kind of the same thing, you know, where somebody had talked about it and I'd heard about it and I'd heard about it. And then finally, it was Tim Shaw that hooked me up with uh, Helsing the first time. Oh yeah, I remember Tim. Yeah, he was the first person that 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 actually let me watch Helsing because I think he showed up at the at the apartment with it one time. And so, good yeah. old Tim, he'd show up with anime and pizza. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, I talk to him occasionally. I think he's married now, and he's definitely got a kid. What? Someone yeah. had sex with him? Yeah, Congrats, several people, Tim. Several people have had sex with him. Well, I knew like his hand and people he paid, but I didn't know. <laughs> Tim's oh, I'm a good just dude. Kidding! Man. I love you, Tim. You're awesome. Even though you never gave me back my Ghost in the Shell manga, I still appreciate you. I'm pretty sure that he uh, he probably doesn't even listen to the show. But I'm gonna change that actually when we get off here because I'm gonna be like, hey, I talked about you on a podcast. You should listen. Jerry talks shit about you, and he's an asshole. I'm sorry, Tim. I do love you. You are awesome. <laughs> But yeah, so, but uh, hearing about this, I th- I, I'm I'm really looking forward to 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 going on with it. I just I I hate that I know ahead of time that I'm only going to be able to go so far. Well, after we do the 25 episodes, um, we don't have to do the three movies because the three movies are just retelling, uh, the 25 episodes. Uh, we may do it if you want if you want to because they are really good. Um, but after that, we can do the Berserk, uh, new anime series. I'll watch it again. Um, and I, I, you're gonna fucking hate the animation, but 
It does get a story, it, but it just doesn't have the... It feels soulless is the problem. And, and I can imagine it, Will. It's just... It's one of those things where it's like when you, when you start something that's really, really good... You know, especially from that type of medium, and you don't want it to stop, and 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 inevitably, you know that, especially in a situation like this, that it's going to, and it's going to in in a very brief amount of time. It's not like we're, you know, if you got somebody that's gonna fucking goddamn start Dragon Ball at the beginning at Dragon Ball, they've got fucking forever to go. That's you know, true. I mean, you got a long way to go, and that's including if you want to, you know, include that horrible travesty, Dragon Ball GT. You know, so GT's if you're not all bad, it's fucking terrible. And and so if you want to watch all of that, GT included, you got a long way. GT's only 36 episodes, but <laughs> 36 but between, long episodes. Yeah. No, once it gets to the baby saga, it gets back to the action and it's OK. It gets back to the terrible storyline to go with the action. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> GT yeah, fucking but... sucked, bro. You know, I, 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 but I have to say this, you know, thank you, GT, for giving us super. So, yep. you know, but my point is, is that that's what you got. I mean, you got, you start with Dragon Ball, you got Z, you got GT, you got super, you got Kai. I mean, so, you know, you got all this fucking shit to watch with Berserk. You got, you got 25 episodes and then a new shitty fucking run of however many episodes it was. And that's it. Yeah, it's what, what makes me uh, a bad friend is because I'm like, get into this amazing thing with me. But, oh, by the way, uh, like, uh, the new series has really bad animation. And, like, we maybe get, like, four chapters a year uh, of the manga. So, yeah. Like, check out this cool fucking uh, guy wearing a goat head who's going to rape this chick. But, you know, it's really dope. Wait, like, six months for another chapter to come out. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like check out this badass series that you can only watch one episode at a time every month. Yeah, uh, well, you know what we'll do is, uh, you know, if we really want to get into it, we fucking may say fuck it, watch the whole series and just do one gigantic fucking episode talking, or do like two episodes. Maybe we'll break the series in half. I'm down. Um, um I don't know. We'll have to work out the logistics. I don't know if I'll have time to watch an entire anime series. With my eh. current schedule. Okay, fair enough. We'll we'll look into it. I watch I can't because I'll shit take at work. Man. I'll take one fuck. Yeah, you could watch. I it just at... got in trouble for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> what well, really? You... Why? If you ain't got shit uh, to be, do. Okay, listen. Because fucking Comcast ratted me out. So at first I was just watching Netflix and Hulu and stuff in between repairs, and then I got bored. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna download a few movies. So I use the same website that I use at home. <laughs> and my fucking boss got the letter from Comcast that says, hey, stop pirating movies or we're going to show up your internet. Okay. He's like, uh, you uh, pirating movies there? I'm like, uh, oops. <laughs> Here's the thing. I put that the entire Berserk anime series in the Google Drive. Yep. Oh, I know. But now, because of that, I got scolded for watching TV at all. Uh, okay, yeah. Fair enough. So what are, you supposed to do when you, what are you supposed to do when, you're, when you ain't got a phone to work on? Just sit there and twiddle your thumbs and twiddle? No, I play on my own phone. Uh, but it's just less feasible now. Like, I watched The Big Lebowski in between phones today, but on Sunday, I'm the manager there. Well, so. you could, I don't know. I'll probably, I, what I probably will end up doing is, like, I'll just take a day off. Like, maybe we'll do it in, like, five episode chunks. We'll figure, we will figure like said, it out we'll behind work out the, the scenes. And I then mean, we'll if tell... I really get down on a day off, I could probably watch half the thing in one day, but 
We'll see. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll let y'all know how we're going to do it so y'all can watch it with us because trust me, it is fucking amazing. And like I said, you can watch it all on YouTube. And if you are having problems and you need uh, some help, message me and, you know, maybe I'll fucking uh, find a way for you to watch it, you know? Oh, before we get out of here, Dips. can we talk about how gorgeous the DVD set that me and you have is? Uh, Fuck you guys. It's gorgeous. It is. I watched my imported Blu-ray. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I don't have Blu-rays. I got the DVDs last Christmas. Actually, yes. two Christmases in a row, my mom's bought me an entire series of anime. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but the the disc art is oh God. fucking gorgeous. It's like it's like what old school PlayStation One RPGs that were multi disc used to be. Yeah, like I literally is a different character, and it's such beautiful art. And oh man, we I won't even put those DVDs in a in a in a player. I bought the Blu-ray just so I wouldn't have to ever touch my DVDs again because they're that pretty. Damn. It is so good. Now, luckily, that that uh, DVD set kind of dropped in price over the past two years because, like, for a while there, it was shooting up to, like, $100 to get the DVD set. It was very expensive. I want to say that it was still 60, 60, 50 to 60 when my mom bought it for me. Yeah, it's it's a very fucking expensive set. Um, and, like, I've got the – it came out in the U.K. on Blu-ray, so I imported – yeah, from there, and the Blu-ray doesn't look is isn't like crazy better looking than the DVD set. That DVD set is really nice. Um, the Blu-ray looks slightly better, but not tons. Um, but either way, I, I fucking love Berserk. So when I found out it was in the UK and it was like forty dollars for the entire series, I was like, "Fuck it, buying it." <clears throat> so yes, so I, I'm glad to hear that uh, you really dug it, Kenneth. I can't wait to see how you feel later on when when the shit goes down. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, shit goes down. You better be ready. Yeah. So, all right, guys. That is it for us. Uh, New Year, old me, old us. Uh, I, I know this episode is a little bit long, but we just kind of wanted an episode where we could just bullshit, talk, and reminisce. And kind of uh, get you know let y'all know a little bit more about us. And we wanted to do Berserk. We will be coming back next episode with Horror Coliseum. Uh, volume 7 of Freddy vs. Jason. Where we will take on Friday the 13th Part 7. The New Blood. Versus uh, A New Nightmare. Uh, we will have guest star Brandon Orlick from Exploding Heads. He will uh, be here for that and um and then after that will be a underwater kaiju from outer space episode and then it will be kenneth and i at uh days of the dead atlanta so if you're at days of the dead atlanta let us know we will meet you we will hug you we'll touch you we'll take you fucking uh behind the corner you know let you get uh you can be the sandwich meat me and uh kenneth will give you the white bread if you know what i'm saying yeah so with that, guys, we are out. Thank you so much. Uh, 2018 personally sucked for me, but the podcast was fucking awesome. So 2019 is going to be great personally, and we are going to do some cool fucking shows this year. I'm pretty excited about what we got going on. Um, so, yeah, y'all got any uh, new messages for the folks this year? Jay, you got something new for 2019 to tell the people? 
Uh, I don't. Okay, I good. Don't. Fuck. Uh, That's right. Be uh, be excellent to each other. Okay, now we're quoting uh, Keanu Reeves. Got you. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> he is the cruelest person ever. Mm, I wouldn't go to that. I saw a dog the other day, but uh, uh, the Baba Yaga. Dogs, so. <laughs> uh, Baba Yaga. Kenneth, you got any new words for the people? I'm going to Romania in May. Are you really? Yeah. For what? To see Dracula's castle. That's fucking dope, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm, my mom and me have been trying to plan a trip that we could just her and I could go and do for a long time. So. Yeah, if everything works out the way it's supposed to, I'll be in Romania on my birthday. Pretty fucking dope. Uh, Also, guys, uh, if you wanted the audio-only versions of the Creature Feature commentaries, they are now on the podcast feed. So if you randomly was like, oh, you just had five new episodes pop up, that's what it was. Uh, I asked people if they wanted audio version only. They are up for you now. Um So, yeah, we're out. We will see you guys uh, in, like, another week. Peace. Looking back, the morning comes to find your face in your grass. To any such a shouting What is that? It's just the same What is trying your crown? I'm spanning my grass Walking back so where my grass You're fading